tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 007, our free phone number. Emma is looking after this morning's show. Coming up on the programme, it is St. Bridget's Day, the 1st of Feb, and for some people, the first uh, day of uh, spring, but there's always a controversy about that every year. How do you feel about that? Do you think it is the first day of spring? Uh, the recent description of Tipperary Town as one of the worst places in Ireland to drive through is that an exaggeration or a reality check. We'll be hearing from some of our contributors on that. GAA orders a replay of the All-Ireland Final between Kilmacud Croaks and Glen. What will the fallout of this be? The Gardaí keep us up to speed on what's been happening around the county. We have hidden histories with uh, my old friend Dr. Connor Reedy and uh, we have gardening. Gardening is back with uh, Alton Nesbeth uh, today as well. Um, we have a lovely prize. We've teamed up with the Talbot uh, hotel in Clonmel and their fitness centre. Uh, they're launching their uh, leisure centre membership sale and we have a gift voucher to give away a month's leisure centre membership at the award-winning leisure facilities. That's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp. And uh, if you uh, want to uh, send in your contribution, just put uh, Talbot at the end of it and we'll know then that you want to get into our draw. So that's 083-311-3311. Headlines in your newspapers today. The Irish Indo NCT backlog leaves 375,000 vehicles on the road without a cert. And the operator of the national car test, A-plus Automotive, will today blame the problem on a range of issues, including a high proportion of motorists failing to show for appointments and its ageing workforce, would you believe? I'm one of the 375,000, but I'm hopeful of a test soon. The Irish Times and right across the newspapers today, uh, Leo Varadkar is mentioned um, very much in dispatches. Uh, in the Irish Times today, the Taoiseach has defended the use of a legal strategy aimed at containing the state's potential liability on private nursing homes. And uh, speaking on the Doyle, he described it as a legitimate legal strategy by the government. He said that although he must have been briefed on it, he did not recall being briefed or authorising the strategy, which has been strongly criticised by the opposition in recent days. Also, very worrying to read in the Times today and in uh, other newspapers as well. The people living in the most deprived areas have a 28% higher risk of dying from cancer compared to those living in the most affluent parts of the state. And that's according to a brand new report. The Irish Daily Mail, again, uh, Leo Radcar in the headlines here. And uh, this time they're taking the angle that the Taoiseach yesterday said he must have been aware of a government plan to curb payments to families who were overcharged for nursing home care. And uh, he doubled down on his defence amid an outcry yesterday, as he said, medical card holders were not entitled to free nursing home care, which is kind of disingenuous, in fact, if you look into the detail of uh, what the Daily Mail has been publishing over the last while. Uh, the Irish Examiner 
and they're telling us that the Irish Prison Service has been told to evaluate the use of anti-ligature furniture in cells following the attempted suicide of a man in Cork Prison. And uh, also, and uh, it's something we spoke on the programme yesterday to Pader Tobin about, again, Mr Varadkar, to seek advice from the Chief Medical Examiner over the concerns about a spike in number of deaths in recent uh, weeks. And uh, again, the Taoiseach telling the Doyle uh, that an increase in the number of excess deaths probably relates to um, RSV and uh, influenza and COVID all circulating. Uh, but he will be asking the chief medical officer to investigate for him. So that's a quick look at what's uh, making headlines in the, your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, 83 Now, there continues to be some uh, division following last week's inflammatory headline in the Nationals describing Tipperary Town as one of the worst places in Ireland to drive through. We spoke to a number of people and politicians who were really annoyed by the article and its headline in particular. Now, it continues in this week's edition of The Nationalist and if you're to believe the letters to the editor, editor, most people support uh, that view. Now Willie is one of our listeners and he was in touch and joins me. Now Willie, good morning to you. Morning Fran. We'll go with being the first day of spring Fran. A beautiful morning. Do you you go with that? You go with it being the first day of spring? I do, I do, I do. We have to look forward Fran. The winter is long enough. Absolutely, absolutely for sure. Willie, what's your take on this? Are you having a go with the media over it? Sure, look, fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, I, I don't know that the man even read what he wrote because it just doesn't seem... We all know the traffic, the traffic problems, and the traffic problems in a lot of towns. Mm. But how in the name of God, you could say, a small regional town was responsible for road rage, the, the majority of road rage in the country? <laughs> it mm. doesn't even make logical sense. Yeah. He said you know, it, it has to be the source of all road rage in the country. It's that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder, did, did his 10-year-old daughter write it while he was gone to bed or something? I don't know. I, mean, I know, I know. He's, 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 he's a respected journalist. And, uh, I know, terms. I know. I'm only really having the crack. Yeah, no, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't even make logical sense. I mean, yeah, well, I, I, I'd be the first to say, look, I'm not well, I'm not from the Tip Town area. We're mm. up here in Turles and whatnot. But I'd be down from time to time. Mm. Danny Ryan's shopping bits and pieces and down for yeah. matches. Oh, yeah, it is. It is a... It is a bad, bad traffic town, but it's, it's the lorries and everything else. But look, the media aspect of it, I suppose, and as a wider, there is a wider context to this. Everything is hystericalized and and you know it's pumped up to the last. Everything is a scandal. There's a there's a gate has to be wrote behind everything to make it. <laughs> you know, I mean, the only place is accurate was Enoch Gate, maybe because he'd be outside the gate every morning anyway. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So this is Tipperary so, Town Gate, is it? Oh, uh, Tipperary Town Gate. So yeah. We've kind of phrased your friend, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, I, I think there's, there's an aspect in journalism now, and I think they nearly want to be the news instead of writing the news. It's just gone, you know, it's, it's almost show business they want to. Mm. I, maybe it's a competition element. I don't know. What, I mean, what, what is the, the fancy The fancy word, I think, is hyperbole. For the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the content, maybe the content of the message he's trying to get across is lost because he's gone so sensationalised with it. Yeah. Well, in, you know, in fairness, he was describing his own experience of sitting in the car, obviously mm. getting very, very frustrated with family in the car and sitting in, 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 in a small town in, in Tipperary for ages, you know. Mm-hmm. Look, I suppose, and, and I can't, it was a councillor... Uh, uh, Michael Fitzgerald, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, he made a lot of very valid points mm. and he spoke himself about the frustration of the length mm. of time, the length of time it takes to progress these mm. developments of towns. And you know that as well as anybody, Willie, with the situation in Thurlis, you know? 
Yeah, Turles is, is, is every bit as bad. Mm. Now, it's certain times and it's peak time with the schools and all the rest, but mm. it only takes one car parked in the wrong place, blocking the lorries up or down Turnell Street, and next thing mm. the whole town is. But mm. look, they tried it a few years ago. They tried a one-way system. Mm. They tried uh, limiting parking up along there. And sure, there was such furore over from residents or businesses along the road. A wet week, they had to go back to square one, and it's no better. Like, the only thing re- resolved these is... A ring road, a relief road, or some kind of an outer. Yeah, an outer and, and uh, it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned business people because one of the things that Councillor Michael Fitzgerald said to me was that he was speaking to some business people in the town, and they expressed the opinion that you know the, a bypass might actually damage their business, and mm-hmm. they, they weren't for it. You know, yeah. so well, it is a bit of fear of the unknown. Mm. Like I, I can remember when the motorway was opening up. That's a good few years ago now, and they were saying. The horse and jockey, for example, was used, and the horse and jockey was a, a major landmark. And people were saying, "Chester, the horse and jockey will be bypassed now, mm. and the place will be like a ghost town." The place was never busier. Should you know, the it's hotel is going a bomb there. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, sure, it's busier, I'd say, than any city centre hotel mm. at this stage. Mm. And small towns. I mean, I'm only up the road from maybe Arlingford and Johnstown, mm. or John's, Arlingford, Arlingford. You couldn't cross the road on foot. I remember before yeah. the bypass. It was crazy. A Friday evening, Jesus, you could hardly go over to road. You know, a thriving town now. Good lot of businesses in it. You can get it up and down, park, in and out. Mm. You know, it's here the unknown, maybe, I, th- I think. I of, think. Co- of course it is. Even though I have to say, towns like, I can't remember the last time I was in Nace, for example, or... Mm. Abbey mm. League. So you you know you you tend to you tend to not go into but but then again as you say some of the towns are thriving with with bypasses yeah. and motorways. Yeah, and like, stuff, you know. as you mentioned, Nace, I went I was up there for something. In, there's a major shopping centre in it. Went up. That's true. I don't know what it was a number of years ago, and case was bomb, booming, booming. Yeah. You know because people can get in around it, and it opens up a bit of development. Whereas before, through who would spend money on a place where you can't actually cross the road, let alone park or go from one end of town to the other without a half an hour sitting in the car. Yeah, and but in general, you say, what are you saying to me about the article? Should it not have been written? Should it not have been published? Is that... Is uh, no, look, you, you can't say you shouldn't write or you shouldn't publish. But, like, I'd say even the man is probably half regretting the tone of what he went with because some of the clients were just so... I mean, yeah. how, how could a town in Tiberi be responsible for all the road rage in the country. So it is a bit nonsensical. Well, the, the only thing I'll say about it is it certainly has started a hell of a conversation, Willie, and I know mm-hmm. that it has. And, you know, I mean, that in itself has to be a good thing, I suppose. It's probably so, Frank. But in a wider context about this approach in the media, I mean, I, I don't know is it they're trying to compete with the social media or the social media news outlets. You know, the mainstream media things, they have, we have to sex it up and up it now as well and mm. be more sensationalised too. But I don't know if that's serving any great purpose. Well, I have to hold, I mean, hold our own hands up where that is concerned. I mean, you're going to go for a top story, Willie. You're going to go for mm. a story that interests as many people as possible. You know, I mean, that's the nature, I suppose, of what we do in the media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you, you'd, you'd look at some of the media, fan, and the tabloid media, for example, mm. if you're talking about papers. Yeah. I mean... To me, the tabloid papers serve one purpose. You get the sports coverage off them, and after that, you can use the rest to do whatever you want to do with. Right. You know, there's more stories about Kim Kardashian's backside than there is about <laughs> Anthony Mills. You know what I mean, like? I know. Yeah. I know. It's, not, it's not news. You know, they're not credible sources of information. Right. Well, they and are about right. Kim's backside, but, but other than well, that, nothing that's yeah, sort of very little else. I suppose. Very yeah. little else. You know, that's the whole... They're, they're just sunk to a level of, of the lowest common denominator. And I don't think it serves any society if that's how our media are, are going. 
All right. Willie, it's always good to talk to you. And thank you uh, for that. And look after yourself. Thanks, no problem, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Willie. Let's go to Richie now. Richie, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, I think you go along with the article, Richie, because you think it's a nightmare to drive through Tipperary, do you? I think it is very hard to get through the town, yeah. Um, it's very hard to navigate that main street there at times. Mm. Um, the traffic light situation is only desperate, yeah. you could say at best, you know. What, what is that about, Richie? Because, like, we're all aware that there's something wrong with the sequencing there. Um, and actually, in fairness, in the Nashes today, there's a very interesting uh, letter to the Nashes that uh, that puts out alternative uh, way to look at the main street there from, from the lights, you know, and maybe that needs to be looked at. Oh, the traffic lights definitely need to be looked at. But yeah. There's a lot of things that, that need to be looked at for Tipperary Town, you know. Yeah, um, I think I'd be number one supporter straight away for um, an outer ring road or some sort of bypass. Yeah, I know there's talks and talks about going ahead, but yeah, we're into phase one seemingly of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the bypass is badly wanted. Not just that, we need good connections to casual and care to get to the motorway. And do, you, do you live in the town, Richie? I used to. Yeah, oh, I yeah. did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the town. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're well you're well aware of. The difficulties of that, particularly at some some stages of the day, I suppose. Oh, definitely. From four thirty in the day, you could nearly say it's a no-go zone. Only for people from the town have the local knowledge to take the back roads to navigate their way around the main street to avoid it at all costs. You mm-hmm. know, like that's not a good idea either. Bringing cars for local people into local areas. People are out walking with their kids, prams, boogies, mm. and extra traffic is going onto these side roads when it should technically stay on the main street, you know. But mm. people are infuriated with the main street. You could be caught at those lights four and five times before you get away. Yeah, I, I was only there on Sunday. I turned left off the bench of road onto the main street. The first thing to greet me was nothing but potholes. You know, it's it, it seems to be a lack of will on the county council, you know, to keep the streets somewhere well, in, right. In fairness, and it's rarely I stand up for the local authority, but there was an opportunity to get all that uh, resurfacing done, but people objected to it because they were afraid that what would happen would emulate what happened on the Limerick Road, that businesses would be held up for weeks and weeks and months maybe as well. So it, it never got done. And now, as you say, potholes everywhere. Oh, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. But a lot of this work could be carried out at night time. Oh, yeah. Now, I know. I, I know it would disrupt some people's sleeping, but it's probably for the greater good, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Like, you can't, you, you know, you, you have to break an egg to make an omelette. Like, it, it, it's essential work. Yeah. And, and not only while this essential work is going on, a lot of business should have been rate free while this work was going on. It should have been no paid for parking while this work was going on. And I'd say even going forward. I think the town should be rate-free and parking-free for fees until we get some sort of outer ring road. I mean, so much traffic there. I wonder how many truckers have been late getting to their destinations, you know, or missing their boat at Ross Lair or something, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm sure because the hold-ups there can go on and on. In fact, you you mentioned rates there. To the best of my knowledge, the rates are actually going up, would you believe? Which is wrong. I, I think it's criminally wrong for a town... That's been strangled. Mm. It has been strangled. That's a strong word. It's been strangled. It's dying. Mm. But there's so much good in the town. Mm. And we're not, the people are just not getting the chance. Now, an example there is New Ross County, um, Wexford there. They got their bypass. Mm. 
it was a similar town, similar size. Yeah. The same traffic going up and down the main streets every day of the week. They got the bypass. The town is breathing. People want to live there. Yeah. And like I said at the beginning, if we get the connections for the outer ring road, improve the road from Cashel to Tiberi Town and Care to Tiberi Town, a lot more businesses will come into the town with factories lying empty. Mm. And they should be used with young people travelling out every day, competing with other jobs in Limerick and Clonmel when they could compete in their own town and boost the own economy in mm. the town. And Richie, it, are you of the opinion if the, as you call it, the ring road or the bypass or whatever, if that happens, um, that it would make all the difference? Do you, do oh, you I, absolutely. All, yeah. all the difference it would make. Yeah. Uh, truck drivers that you don't want to be on these back roads and as, as a bottleneck. Like I said, this is not just a temporary problem, a temporary town problem. This actually bounces back, I think, to Dublin Port, mm. where trucks would be given the opportunity to get past this bottleneck and divert some of that traffic to Rosslair Harbour, for instance. You know, I think temporary town is the last blockage. You know, yeah, it's it's interesting. And what what do you make of? Because I don't understand the the work that happened on the Limerick Road that tightened uh, where the, the the amount of space that traffic would have com- coming and going on the Limerick Road. I I don't know why they did that because it, I think it added to the issue. It did add to the issue. It did. You know, there's the larger footpaths, and you know, <clears throat> that was there's one particular footpath they widened there just at Chester's Pub. Yes. People are familiar with it. Yeah, I know it well. At one time, you could come down from Martin Brain Terrace, and the traffic could just about split into at a certain point for people to turn left or right. Now, if the car in front of you wants to turn right, you're stuck. You're, yeah. you, you can't move. And if they were to do that, they, they should probably put a set of traffic lights there to do it. Or they could have just left it alone till we had a bypass. Yeah. Do the improvements to the town when a bypass is there. Right now, they're slowing traffic down. Maybe it was a traffic cam and thing to slow things down. But we have to keep flowing. Like, but, I mean, but look at the top of O'Brien Street there. What were, were they doing out to the Galbally Road? I mean, it's, it's almost impossible for a truck to get out there. It is. It's very different for the truck drivers. I, I feel sorry for truck drivers. You know, they're, they're stressed out, I think, going through the town. You mean, even pedestrians are stressed out even trying to cross the road, you know? There's a lot of shops on the main street, and I'm sure they're struggling. They're just not getting the parking facilities for even someone to pull in or to pull out. People are just sitting in traffic possibly half an hour plus. And they're not giving anyone an opportunity to even get out of a partner spot. They just want to hit the road and get going, you know? Richie, great to talk to you today and uh, safe travelling to you, Richie. Thanks for your time. Thank you. No problem, Thank friend. You. Good, talk to you good again. morning Thanks. to you. Bye bye to you now. That's Richie speaking to us this morning. Let's go to uh, Councillor Anne Marie Ryan of Tipperary Town, not only a councillor, of course, but a business person in the town as well. Anne Marie, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. Good morning. And thanks for your time. I know that you're up to your eyes there this morning. Um, would you tell me first of all about your reaction to the piece in the newspaper, Tipperary Town, one of the worst places in all of Ireland to drive through? Well, it's true. It's a difficult town to drive through. But I suppose what triggered a lot of people is, yes, they agreed with it, but the headline is somewhat sensational. I think Willie was saying that earlier when he was talking. You know, we we do have major traffic problems in the town. We do have major problems with the traffic lights, I think. And I just want to mention here that our meeting last week, I asked the engineer to go down and look at the lights. So he has been down 
there will be a full survey carried out on the sequencing and how those lights are functioning and are they adding to the tailbacks in particular along the N24. So hopefully that's actually well, you, started. You, you and I spoke you know? about this many months ago, Henry. Yeah. Like, yeah. wh- why wasn't that done before now? I don't know, Fran. Honestly, yeah. I don't know. I suppose I just brought it up again last week. Yeah. And in fairness, the engineer rang me a couple of days later and he was down at the lights. And right. he said, look, and we were kind of talking through and I was saying to him, look the way you have to wait, you can't turn left. You know, how many sequences are actually in that order now before you can pull across the N24, we'll say. So, um, and then I was talking to somebody at the weekend and they were saying to me, that there is, a, I think, a sensor thing on the light. So I was querying that with the engineer. Like, if you don't pull up close enough to the lights, do they even recognise that there's a car there? So that's okay. Being yeah, I, so, I, I didn't realise that now. But okay. you see, I don't even know if there is, but it was mentioned to me. So the engineer said that he's gone off to go back to the company. Look, we have a set of um, ultra-computerised um, traffic lights and I suppose the argument could be made, could we just go back to the old traffic light <laughs> that just turned, just you know? But also idea. there was narrowing on Bridge Street. So before, if you were coming up from the co-op, say, you could actually fit two cars, one to go left and one to go straight. Mm. But now you can't because the footpath was wide a few years ago. Yes. You know, is th- that the top of things, O'Brien Street there, is it? Uh, no, this is um, coming up Bridge Street if you're coming up from Tipperary Co-op or the Abbey School. Okay, sorry, you I want, beg your pardon, you I'm with you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The footpath was widened. Yes. Whereas before we could fit two cars, so one could turn left, That's one right. could go forward. Yeah. But now there's an extra sequence before, I mean, before you can actually cross those lights. So, look, it's not going to get rid of the volume of traffic going through the town, and that is not going to happen until the bypass is delivered. But if any improvements can be made on the flow of traffic going through the town, that's crucial at this stage. What about the state of the surface then as well, Anne-Marie? Now, I know that there was an opportunity to do a major job in the town that was sort of uh, voted down in some way. What about some sort of interim uh, look at the surface then? I would argue that despite the fact that the roadworks, the major N24 roadworks that were proposed were not accepted by the councils or the majority of people in the town, TII are responsible for that route. Mm. And the amount of traffic that's going through it, it does need to be resurfaced, which could be done if the will for TII was there to do it. So we need to find out whether they're willing to do it after, you know, the proposal was turned down. Is it the case that you you turn down the main work so the hell with he and, you know, suffer it now? Is is that the attitude? Well, I suppose I'll have to ask them and see if it is. Mm. Um, I would hope it's not because they do have a responsibility for the road. And that project wasn't just a road resurfacing. It was footpath fencing. It was digging up the main streets for the bones of the year and a half. Yeah. What I'm yeah. saying is, and what people are saying, if you're driving that route, is resurface it. There's a section as you come out a little and turn left down to the Banshee Road roundabout that was resurfaced when little was being revamped. That's actually quite smooth. If you continue the same up the whole end of town until it, where it joins Church Street or the Davit Street, then that would suffice for now. Right, and I'm sure people would be very happy to see see that Absolutely. happening at, at, yeah. at the moment. Um, the the other thing that Michael Vassero said now, I realise your business is not on the main street, Henry, but he said to me that a couple of business people or a few business people um, made a case to him that the bypass would damage their business and they didn't want to see that happen. Does that make any sense to you from who you've been speaking to? Well, I suppose most people I've spoken to um, are, wait, are 
very supportive of the bypass of the town centre. But I am aware of a couple of individuals who are worried, and I completely get that, because they're worried that the bypass will take all traffic out of the town. But, you know, through the town centre health check that we carried out last year with the Mm. Heritage Council, we were able to track the amount of people that come in to go shopping, the people to go to schools, the amount of people that come in to work. Those people will still be coming into town, whether or not there's a bypass. So I think, again, I think your previous um, speaker mentioned, you know, fear of the unknown. Mm. But I, I have no doubt in my mind that the alleviation of traffic from the town centre will be nothing but a bonus for the town. I mean, I look at Mitchell's town, I look at Cashel, yeah. I look at Care, I even look at Carrick and Shure, which has some sort of a bypass around the town. None of them have that unpleasantness that we have to face on a daily basis going through our town centre, you know. And more and more premises there in the main street being oh, yeah. vacant. Um, and Reed, that has to be a concern to you. Um, what can yeah. be done about Is there anything the authority can be doing about that or should be doing about that? It is a huge concern. I mean, we have a very high vacancy rate mm. and... Um, the government announced a new um, scheme a couple of days ago about you know the potential to authorise local authorities to buy vacant properties, yeah. redo them up and sell them on or use them upstairs for housing. Because the one thing about town centres and vacant properties, you want to maintain them as retail spaces with maybe living above the shop. You don't want to turn it all into residential because then you lose the heart of your town centre. But unfortunately, this policy, this new scheme that came from Dar O'Brien is only for larger towns with populations of 10,000 or more. So it automatically excludes Tipperary Town or smaller towns. So I was really disappointed to see that because we have so many empty properties. But the question is, what are the state of them like inside at this stage? You know, and to try and get them back into use is going to need Mm. targeted intervention. And the longer it goes on, the worse it gets. gets. Yeah, Yeah. and also our town is a heritage town. You know, the town centre... A lot of the time you don't see it anymore because it's smothered with traffic. But if you look up and look at the beautiful buildings, yes. they really need to be kind of nurtured and preserved and brought back yes. into And use. there's some beautiful features on... on, on Stunning. Uh, really, yeah. really beautiful. And it was Mary Alice O'Connor who, who pointed those out oh, to me at one stage. Yeah, like yeah. if you look at the glove factory that's yes. just been renovated. Jam- now, James' Street, again, yeah. yeah, that's mm. an example of beautiful work being brought back to life and you can see it. Now, we got funding through the Heritage Council and the local authority and the task force work together on that. But it's more of those targeted interventions we need to make sure that whatever commercial premises are for lease are fit to be leased, if you get me. Mm. You know, that's the big thing. All right, Anne-Marie, good to talk to you today and thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Thank you. Bye-bye to you, Councillor Anne-Marie Ryan speaking to us. I will take a break back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now we continue with our conversation about Tipperary Town. I'm glad to be joined by Niamh Quinn of Flanagan's Lane Restaurant, Cafe, Bakery and Deli on the Main Street in the town. Niamh, good morning to you. Good morning, Frank. Great to speak to you again. And good to talk to you as well. I hope all is well with you, Niamh. Um, Can I start by asking you about business and 
the effect of the traffic situation in the town. How does it affect you? Well, the thing is, um, the main street of Tipperary Town is the only access for cars going to uh, Waterford or going to Limerick at the other side. Um, so there's only one street for them all to go up and down. And then in the middle of the street, you've got a set of one set of traffic lights um, with, with in a, on a cross. So each road gets their turn uh, to go. So that's, that we say years ago, that wasn't the case. You had um, the, by, the two by roads, we had to go at the same time. And then the main street got their turn. So mm. it was only twice the lights changed. But the, uh, a couple of years ago, they put in a new set of lights and now every road gets their turn. So there's four, you know, the the two on the main street and then the two on the sides get their turn. So that has slowed down traffic considerably. So if you've and even in your own uh, experience, Steve, you would have seen that that is adding to the problem, would you say? Yes, very mm. much so, because it's now adding to the time... Um, each lane has to go. Um, so there's lots of traffic on the main street going to and from Limerick to Waterford or the, the opposite way around. And now they have to sit and wait. And when you have to sit and wait, seconds take a very long time. And of you're course. Just in traffic. Can you believe it, Niamh? I mean, Councillor Emery Ryan was with me and it's only now that the engineer is coming down to look at this, even though we've been talking about this for months. I know, it's crazy. It's like... They um, they don't plan out something. It goes ahead and say, you know, it's great now and widen the footpath and do X, Y, and Z, um, traffic calming. And then when it's all done, they realise it's not working. Yeah, and, and, that's the, and it's just around the corner from you there. But what do you make of the widening of the footpaths there in the Limerick Road? Because I think it, that too has added, particularly if you get a truck going one way and a truck going the other way. Yes, no, it's extremely tight. And even the curbs, they had to bring back one of the curbs because lots of cars were actually scraping their cars yeah. um, when they were trying to take the turn. Um, so there's lots of, I don't know whether they're not asking the users of the road um, the questions to say, what would you think? Or there's not enough um, thinking of it before they actually go ahead. Um, but we need to get a ring road for all the trucks. That's probably one of the main things because lots of trucks to, going to and from down to Ross Lair and back up. Um, mm. So you, like, you're not one of the businesses then that would have concerns about a drop-off in your footfall if the uh, ring road or the bypass was in place? No, because what's happening is that um, people don't want to come into town then because they know they'll be sitting in traffic or they won't be able to find a car parking space. That's another issue. We don't have enough um, spaces for cars to park. Also, um, you have to pay to park here, which is, you know, people who have to go into Duns, they can do their shopping, they can go to the chemist, they can get their phone fixed, they can go for something to eat and park for free and head home again. Um, so it doesn't entice them to come into town. What is the current situation? How long can you park for for free on the main street now? Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Yeah. But should, that's not any good to anybody. I mean, you know. No, by the time you park up, you might have a few kids. Whichever time you get out, mm. uh, go to the chemist, go to another shop. You're tearing back then, and the traffic warden is watching everybody. Yeah, well, that, that's Very that's his job, but it needs to say. But I mean, if I want to go into Neve for a cup of coffee, for example, I mean, 20 minutes is no good to me. So no. so you can't benefit from that in some, some way. No, we don't at all. And then you have people come in, they're very anxious that they have to go back because they, they want to yeah. get a ticket and all this kind of crack. So. Yeah. Is it good that, and again prompted by Darren Hassett's uh, article in the National Society, is it good we're having this conversation, Neve? Definitely, because we do need to kind of get the trucks 
um, off our main street because it's not enticing people to come into town because they're going to be stuck in traffic, even if they just want to nip in for a cup of coffee um, or run to the chemist. Um, it just doesn't entice them at all because it's just it's, it's just constant. Right. I mean, there's not one hour of the day that the thing the road is in shock or block, and you're wondering where are they all coming from. Okay, but the traffic lights would be a start, possibly. Definitely, they need to be looked at um, because they just seem to. In each side, you're waiting too long. There needs to be a quicker turnaround that everyone's moving mm. and getting out of the situation quicker. Um, okay. But it's just. It's, all right, Niamh, we wish you well and thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you and good morning to you, Niamh. Bye-bye to you. Now, Niamh Quinn there, lovely Flanagan's Lane restaurant, beautiful, beautiful cafe and bakery and deli and all of that. Delighted to be joined by an old friend of mine now, uh, broadcaster Stevie O'Donnell is with me. Stevie, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed and thank you for your time this morning, Stevie. I think last time you and I spoke was about the situation in O'Brien Street, in fact, about the uh, the trucks there and the like. What are you making of it? at the moment, the whole town? Yeah, I think the whole town is really choked up. It's a uh, lot of traffic and uh, coincidentally I was um, at a GA meeting there in 12th and 3rd uh, Yeah, it's a, a sports meeting in general but uh, a lot of GA matches used to be held in Tipperary Town in Sean Tracy Park many years ago mm. and lots of the traffic could come in via O'Brien Street if there was a, just say for argument's sake, if there was a Hearty Cup final, which the Hearty Cup final on Sunday is going to tell us but if that was in Tipperary Town I think, yes, there would have been a major, major issue with traffic because of the layout of the, the roads. As, well, as you said earlier, the roads come in the, in the Limerick roads. Mm. They've been through now, now with a bigger curbing on the side of it. But going back to O'Brien Street and what you're, the question that you're asking, what do I make of it? Well, um, at the time, Tom Deneen, I was asked now, would I just kind of video... And he was going Tom, to do Tom is the truck driver, of course. Yes. Yeah, mm. sure, Tom Deneen Transport, mm. yeah, and... It, he found it extremely difficult uh, to get around there. But, however, you know, it, I haven't seen any major accidents or anything there. But I did speak to uh, Arctic drivers because I do know, like, I have driven HGVs myself mm. for many years and they're finding it very difficult, really, to come around there. But I think that was probably designed in a way to divert HGVs away from that area because it is a heavily... Um, residential area. There's a lot of elderly residents in that area and, you know, I would imagine that the main um, plan behind it was to divert the main or the heavy duty vehicles away from that area, maybe down to town centre or whatever. But that's only to be fair, I think that that's only adding to the heavier congestion of traffic that's already on the street. And, and that seems to be the case, uh, for sure. The the kind of headlines that happened last week and the rebuttal of the argument that Darren Hassan made and all of that, is that a good thing, or do you see it as Michael Fitzgerald sees it maybe as an attack on the town, Stevie? No, I wouldn't see it as an attack on the town. If I am to be perfectly honest, and I'll give you a straight question, I, or a straight answer, I should say, I think that it's probably more to the reality of what's happening on the main street and what's happening in the town itself. Because, like I would imagine, Dunn is probably coming from the castle of Bovalan side mm-hmm. when he was travelling that time out to, out to Kilmallock for that match. Yes. And, yeah, like I, I came in there now earlier this morning in the castle road and I joined traffic. I'd say by the time I got up towards the Maid of Aaron, you're talking about seven, seven, eight minutes. Right, right. But definitely, um, another thing as well is obviously the surface needs to be looked at as well as the, the actual traffic. Yeah, it's, it's in a bad way, isn't it? 
It is, and you know what I'd say now that a lot of whether it is Curry Hernandez or Per Rains belong to his staff or Shane Clark or any of these tyre centres. Mm. I'd say that these guys are fairly busy now with vehicles coming in because, like, in fairness, no matter even if you're driving up into a camp, you're not going to have to steer in a little bit. Can you imagine hitting a person? I know. I know. Um, do, do you see in it? Have you have you looked at what's happening with the phase one of of the, the the bypass and all of this? I mean, it looks like this is going to be years down the road, Stevie. You know, I'm beginning to wonder, friend, in your time or my time, will yeah. yeah, you know. But I think there's, there's no question. I was in RD in County Loud not too long ago, and that bypass when I was heading up to County Monaghan, and what I did notice was that. It's brilliant to have two or three parking on the main street or on any street, doctor, and you can get out and you can do whatever you do. Whatever you have to do, you'll have it certainly done maybe within an hour, not alone two hours. And I think that's, that's another issue that needs to be looked at as well. So um, the 20-minute the, the free, uh, as far as you're concerned, is not adequate? I don't think it's enough, no, to be fair, no. Um, I don't know if some of your previous commentators have spoken about it, but I... Personally, I don't think that 20 minutes is good enough because we have the shopping centre just on the outskirts of the town on the Limerick Road and absolutely driving out at the moment. And I suppose you can see why with the free park and there. And, you know, I'm not so sure. I, I don't think 20 minutes is enough. And that's my own honest opinion. Right. So sequencing of the traffic lights, looking at the parking situation, maybe resurfacing, those things w- would help to some small degree, you think? Yeah, you see, I use a lot of the approach words when it mm. tends that I'm going out doing interviews or whatever, and I use a lot of the approach words coming into the town itself. Now, there was talks there for a long time about sensors being used on the traffic lights. Mm. I cannot confirm that because this is only maybe just local talk, I'm not so sure. But, however, like I've, when I've driven in London, I, I've driven away mm. very, very busy cities, very busy towns, and I'm not the only one. But I think is the traffic lights, they probably, I think it's a little bit too slow in, in the sequence at the moment, and that needs to be kind of sped up a little bit. But um, there are cameras on top of the lights, all right, but mm. I don't know what purpose they're serving. Yeah, and, you know, we had this conversation, I, I don't know, six months, maybe 12 months ago as well, and it's only now they're looking at the sequencing. It's just too slow, isn't it? The whole bloody yeah, thing is too I slow. I think... Well, I'll put it to you this way, it's like playing a match. If you think the player is not playing well in a good position, well, they'll move on fairly soon. And uh, I don't mean out to the bench, you'd move into maybe a better position or something. But, however, you wouldn't be waiting until the bench is nearly over to make the move. Right. So, so get on with it. Is, is, is... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's an issue, you need to solve it. Yeah, and, and, and it's just too slow and most people would agree with that. Stevie, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for your time this morning. Take care, friend. Thank, thank you. you. Good morning to you. That's uh, my old friend, a great broadcaster, great sports broadcaster, the great Stevie O'Donnell there speaking to us from Tipperary Town. We'll take a break speaking of sport and we'll talk sports in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-1008.
007. The All-Ireland Club football final saga set to rumble on with Kilmacud uh, Croaks now expected to appeal the decision to replay the game. Now, this is following a series of appeals and counter-appeals that preceded the GAA announcing yesterday that the game will now be replayed. It all stems from video footage and photography showing that Kilmacud had as many as 17 players on the field for the final play of the now infamous final. I'm glad to be joined now by another old friend of mine, Murish Walsh, sports broadcaster and pundit. Good morning to you, Murish. Morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today. Was it inevitable that this would be the decision, Murish? Yeah, but we but we shouldn't have gotten to this stage. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, as soon as the GA realised that there was an issue, um, they should have stepped in. Um, they are the custodians of the game. They are the legislators of the game. They are the rule makers and the lawmakers. And it should never be left to a club uh, to appeal. Um, I mean, what bothers me about the, the... I mean, look, the GEA is a fantastic organisation. That's, that's, but sometimes they get these things wrong. Mm. And they get them badly wrong. And what kind of annoys me is that say, on Saturday evening, you know, Tipper playing Lee Shore in the stadium and Amir Ishka infringes on the pitch too many times or goes in the water, you know, suddenly next Wednesday there's a fine arrives at the county secretary's desk and, you know, the GA can enforce that rule. Or we saw a few years ago where, you know, David Fitzgerald encroaches onto the pitch yeah. and, Jason Ford gets involved with him and suddenly Jason Ford gets a, a two-match ban. But the GA should have stepped in straight away, ordered a replay, and that would have been the end of it. With your experience, Burish, what happened here? What went wrong to allow this to, to happen? Yeah, well, you see, what went wrong here is um, the, the, the rule is that and the GA are very poor in enforcing this rule. Uh, and I know, like... I know that from in, in, in soccer that if you're making a substitution, the player that you're taking off has to leave the field to play before the substitute is allowed to come onto the field to play. Simple as. Um, and in soccer or in other codes of sports, I think it's the same in rugby. I know in soccer, players can leave at the, the, the nearest exit point to avoid kind of time-wasting. And what happened here was, you know, Kim McCord were trying to probably uh, run down the clock, you know, they, mm. you know, and emotions and all that, and the guy runs on, and you know, the, the substitute didn't come off, and that's what happened. But it was a breach of the rules, and you have these rules for a reason, so implement them. And what about the referee, Morish? Because, uh, you know, uh, Kilmacud saying that they were interrupted making the substitution by the referee restarting uh, the match. They also go on to say, actually, that there was no reference to the incident in, in the, the referee's report of the incident. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, the referee Derek is a good friend of mine. And um, I think, you know, that there is, a, there is a, a, an opportunity here to take... Um, that the substitutions out of the referee's control, there is a fourth official there, mm-hmm. and I think that the fourth official should should look after all of those things. And if you had a situation where, you know, the um, rule of the player not being allowed to enter the field until the substitute has gone off, again, uh, the paperwork wouldn't be as manic. You got to remember. I mean, it's in the last play of an All Ireland final. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yeah. of things going on, and I mean, you know. You know, every referee, no matter who it is, needs help. And I, I, I do. And Kilmacud Croaks are quite 
correct to make that point. There is no reference to it in the referee's report. Mm. And how many times have we heard down through the years about several incidents, irrespective, you know, of of code, we await the referee's report. But I think the bigger issue here is that, you know, I the GEA has made an absolute dog's dinner of this. Mm. And, uh, and then... And, they need to accept that. Right, but it could have been fixed on the field. Now, you know my knowledge of sport is limited. But, I mean, if the 45 had been ordered to be retaken, there, there wouldn't have been an issue then, would there? No, I mean, we have a precedent in that. I mean, when Mayo uh, beat um, Dublin there a couple of years ago and Evan Hanley, you know, he missed the first 45 and there was a retake order. And those of us watching on the television were saying, what's the retake for mm. And later that night on the Sunday game, they showed that there was a 16 player on the pitch mm. and he hadn't gone off the field and the referee noticed it. Now, he was way up towards the hill and the free was being taken into the canal end. And a lot of people were saying, oh, Dublin were robbed. But when, but when that was shown, that clarified the situation mm. and the rule was implemented and nobody had an issue with it. And in in all sports, Let's just broaden this for one second. In all sports, there's rules and regulation. Mm. If you're watching snooker and the guy, you know, is leaning over to take an awkward shot and he's blazed or he's, he, he's you know, he touches another ball on the table, that's a foul. Right? He just walks away and says, I fouled the ball, that's it. Um, in golf, there's, you know, there's, there's if you have an extra club in the bag, mm. you're only allowed 15 or 16 clubs. It's a two-shot penalty. And people accept it. So those rules and regulations are there. But I mean, unfortunately, the GDA, um, they love their technicality. They love their appeals. I mean, how often have we seen players getting a red card? It's appealed because, you know, the name wasn't in Irish or, you know, whatever, you know, some frivolous. And the player gets to play in the All-Ireland final and no one knows why. And what it does then is that leads to, it, it, it leads to people at my level down at, at, at the grassroots level, um, kind of going, ah, sure, look, we'll appeal that and we'll get off. And, you know, and, you know we'll, have, we'll win this film and we'll have... And so that it, goes on. It, it waters it all down. Um, uh, do you go along then what Liam O'Neill, the former GA president, is? he said that, you know, we're just not consistent about implementing the rules. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You yeah. took the words out of my mouth. I mean, right. you know, I mean, Liam O'Neill is probably... Uh, he's a very, very um, shrewd man and uh, he was very good in his time at trying to tidy up mm. all of this and there is an opportunity here now for the GEA for once, uh, you know, to be proactive yes. and say... I, I don't know, did you hear his interview yesterday on National Radio, no? I did, I did. He, yeah, he said it was a watershed moment, Warish, and, uh, you know, he said, I think we'll take our responsibilities seriously. Do you see it as that, as a watershed moment? Oh, absolutely. Oh, do absolutely. you? Okay. I do, I do, because, look, um, this is an All-Ireland club final. This isn't the first round of the North Junior C Hurling Championship, you know, and let's get a bit of proper perspective on this. You know, it's an All-Ireland club final. It matters to, you know, the people of the, of Glen. It matters to the people of Stalorga and, and Kilmacud Croaks. And, you know, and by the way, the same rule should apply to the North Junior B football championship as well, you know, uh, truth be told. But it is a watershed moment because what what we should be talking about is a marvellous game, but we're not. 
And of course, yeah. And, uh, and to explain something else to me. Uh, is there a possibility now that Kilmacud might just give back the trophy and not go with a replay? Is that, is that talk this morning? Yeah, I heard I heard Evan McGee, the former Donegal footballer on Morning Ireland, and um, I heard him saying that. And, and can they do that, Marsh? Oh, they can. Yeah, yeah, they can. I mean, you see, look, um, you get a date, a time, and uh, when you get fixture, right, when you get a date and a time in the venue, and if you don't turn up, well, that's it. I mean, um, and the one thing I, when we saw this, 20 years ago with lads going to the high court uh, to get off suspensions in, to allow them to play matches. So the GEA reacted to that and brought in this CCCC, DCCCs. I, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be smart here. I, I lose track of it. Mm. But these, you know, and they tried to, they tried to be proactive and put in all these so, to avoid that situation. And I, I just hope that, uh, as, 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 my, as my late friend Sean O'Driscoll used to say, I hope a man with a wig doesn't need to sort this out, that it doesn't go down the court route. What, what, what a shame that would be. Can I take you back to something that you said just in passing mm-hmm. there a few moments ago? And I know you're, you're an extremely uh, experienced broadcaster, so you won't name names to me, but you said something about making a phone call. Yeah, I mean, often it happens within the GE. And let's be honest here, we're all adults here. Um, you know, sometimes uh, there'll be an incident in a match and uh, it warrants uh, a straight red card and the, the, the sanction for that would be maybe a three-month a three month ban. So, you know, someone would say, listen, will you ring Frank Curry, the referee, and tell him to put it down as rough play so that the sanction then is only a month. And does that happen, Mersh? Oh, yeah. I mean, look. Let's be honest. I mean, if I, look, if you look, if any, I mean, you you will you will largely, and, and a lot of them would be GEA people. And I, I look, I, I'm I'm as big a fan of the GEA as anybody. Um, but that goes on. That's that's the type of thing that goes on. That's the culture within the so, the association, and it lends itself to this type of situation happening at a national level. And I mean, like it may not go on. And, it may not go on as, as frequently as it once did, but you have a situation where uh, the black card was in, introduced. I call it a GEA solution to a GEA problem, where you know um, a player, you know, it stemmed from the, the famous Sean Cavanagh, Conor McManus, Joe Brawley outburst, mm. and they introduced the black card. And I just said, what was wrong with just giving a red card? Then you had situations where, you know, people within the GEA felt it was very unfair that you got if you got sent off in a club match, it affected your intercounty county you know, you got a suspension for an intercounty match. So if you get sent off in a club match, it doesn't affect your intercounty um season. Uh, the other thing that I find and you know, I'm I'm not ranting here, but one thing I can understand is that if you get two yellow cards in a in a GEA match and you get sent off that's it. You just get sent off for the game. So you could, get, you could get sent off in the 70th minute, and that's it. Because I think there should be a one-match ban. But that we're we're kind of veering. Oh, there's off. not a ban. There's not a ban. No, you... no. Oh. There's not a ban for two yellow cards. No, no. You just you just get sent off, and that's it. You miss the remainder of the game. So, but what I'm saying is about the phone calls. So that kind of that kind of uh, of, of loose. Uh, now, I'm not saying that that goes on, and I mean. You'll probably get a flurry of phone calls saying, oh, no, 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 that doesn't go on. But I'm telling you, it does go on. It has gone on. Well, I'm looking at the screen in front of me and there's agreement with you. 
Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying to you is that if, if, if we're flaky about rules in any walk of life, I mean, look, Fran, until I can't the guard's name, I can't think of his name, but 20 years ago, if you and I got a, got a speeding fine, mm. you know, I'd be saying to you, hey, listen, ring, yeah, guard, so and so, I'll try and get that squared, and un- until I can't think of the guard's name, mm. you know, that doesn't go on. Thankfully, that doesn't go on anymore. But, you know, so if, 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 if we are to be serious about implementing rules and having rules, well, yeah. then we need, we, we need to implement them and implement them properly. And, uh, like, I mean, if I were, I'll be honest with you, if I were in Kilmacud Croak's shoes, I'd probably refuse to play the game. That's being perfectly honest about it. All right, Murish, I'm heading for news, but always a pleasure to talk to you. And thanks you very much, Murish. Thank you. Garmila Mahogas. Okay. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Murish Walsh uh, speaking to us this morning. News is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Uh, Councillor Davy Dunn of Sinn Féin was on to us, and uh, I was uh, speaking at the top of the programme uh, about uh, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar's statements in uh, the Doyle uh, yesterday. And uh, Davy was on, and he says, um, I agree with you about uh, Mr. Varadkar being disingenuous. Here's how I see it Leo has three stages of defence. Stage one, it didn't happen. Stage two, it happened, but it's no big deal. And stage three, OK, it's a big deal, but it's time to move on. And that is uh, in from Councillor David Dunn this morning. This is making reference to the piece in the Mail today, where it's reported that the Taoiseach and the Doyle said it was never the policy of the government nor the intention of the Oireachtas to create such an entitlement. And this is making reference to people having uh, free access to uh, public beds in nursing homes. And why I said he was disingenuous was that people ended up in private nursing homes paying full whack because there wasn't enough beds in the public uh, nursing homes. And that that's why it ended up. And that's at the core of this issue at uh, the moment. And what I also find amazing is that the Taoiseach confirmed that the Attorney General would compile a report into the overcharging with officials from the Department of Health to appear before the Oireachtas Health Committee. But sure, why? Because 12 years ago, the Ombudsman, um, she she put together an amazing report um, that had all of the detail and certainly showed that the state was culpable in this and that people deserved redress. So, do you know, I... I, I I don't know. The mind boggles. Anyway, how do you feel about that? 083 311 I also uh, made the point when I was talking to some of our contributors this morning about the rates going up in Tipperary Town and uh, a listener was on to me to say, now this is somebody in the know, I presume, so it could be a councillor and I'm just not sure who it is. Anyway, it says, Fran, the rates went up and they're still the fourth lowest in the country, but it's to match fund... 
uh, match funding for money to do works in the town. Tipperary has done a lot of work in getting to this stage, have plans for a bypass, cycle lanes and link roads going before the department. Tipperary is hard to drive through, no doubt, but progress is being made on plans which was never there before. Mm, okay. All right, 0833113311. Now, yesterday we received a letter to our agony aunt, Phil Prendigas, from a mother who can't afford to fork out the cash for a big celebration for her daughter's uh, communion. And in that uh, letter, the daughter came home and said that most of her friends had bouncy castles and they were going for hotel meals and uh, they were having home catering and then off to centre parks and all sorts of stuff there as well. Well, Teresa joins me now. Teresa, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. You heard the letter, Teresa. Um, What did you make of it? I did. Um, Look, I'm going to say, first of all, families are made up different ways, no matter what way you look at. Today's is a very different family to what it was 60 years ago. Mm. But my heart goes out to the most important thing on that day is your mother or your father or whoever is there behind you and supporting you. It's not the cost of it. The cost doesn't come into it. What comes into play the most is the love that they get. It's nothing to do with going to hotels. Because I think, I've seen it myself because I've worked in hotels when it would be going on. Mm. And you'd be there telling Charlie and Mary, sit down and stay quiet and mind your dress and all that. But I think home is the way to go. Because it's what you can afford. It's what you put there with love. And that's what makes it. I mean, Myself, when I was going through this, I was going through a divorce with my two children and finances wasn't great, I can tell you that much. But I got, and we made the communion cake with the help the day before. We made it, I let the two children ice it to each of their communions the way they wanted it. The most important thing to me on that day was to see the smile on their faces afterwards. And it did enjoy it. Now, would you believe I can say 36 years on going 37 and 34 years on, I still have their communion medals. Do you indeed? I do. And their cards. And you still look back on that time very fondly, Teresa. We do, friend, because do you know what? We made the best of a bad we made the best of a bad time because we hadn't got it. Yes. I mean, it wasn't the fact of um, they got a few quid afterwards for the communion, and then we went off to Dublin Zoo, I think, as far as I remember, with one of them. Um, you make the best of what you got, but the best part to me was me doing my daughter's hair, me doing the cake with them, helping them out decorating their cakes, me helping them picking out what they wanted to wear in their hair, what way they wanted their hair cut. You know, simple things like that is what stands in a child's head. Well, Mammy did this with me that day. You know, that comes back to mind. And I think at times, look, it's like a mini wedding communion. Remember one thing, they're only children. And we have to let children be children. And, you know, it is a very special day. But give it to them for love, not give it to them for money. Yeah, and in a lot of cases, it turns into a bit of a drinking session then for the adults when it ends up in a hotel or something, doesn't it? It does, it does, friend. And, you know... And you're looking at the little child there, and I've seen it myself because I did work in the situation, and the little child there bored stiff wanting mm. to go home. Mm. You know, I've seen that. When it should be their day, have a few drinks at home if you want to with the family, but enjoy, let them have their day. 
you have to put it's not your day it's not what the Joneses can bring to it it's what you can bring to it as a mother and father and a family with love that's and, and the way I look at it when, when the, the, the woman in question said she was mortified that the daughter went back and told her classmates that we're too poor to have anything other than a small party at home the, the, the poor mother felt mortified over that um, but, but you know what I'd say as a mother she can be very proud because I'll tell you one thing she's honest She's not going out to a money lender. She's not going above her means. She is looking after her children and she's doing it in the correct and torn way. She's teaching the truth out to her children. Right, they can't afford it. I, 100%. There's very few families I think today will afford the, the way the war going, I'll be honest. But she's honest. I think that is the best lesson in life for a child. She went up and the child was honest. And I think that child deserves credit for being honest. And when you were working in, in the hotels or the restaurants, Teresa, did you see people that you knew they were to the pin of their collar to afford what was going on, that they were probably borrowed for it? Would you have known yeah, the situation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did, Fran. Because I'd even given my own circumstances now. I worked in a fantastic hotel there, the Drummondair Bay, mm. which was Dennis and Declan Collison's going back in the time. Mm. And um, even my own, I mean... I wasn't rich, and the next thing, um, we made a deal with Dennis for one of the children. Mm. And because, you know, you've seen it. You've seen it yourself mm. of what it costs. Now, I have to say a fair juice to Declan and Dennis. I mm. worked with them, and I got a deal with them, if you get my meaning. But otherwise, I would not have able to be in a fort. But what the hardest part was is the kids were so fed up of sitting down eating the meal. They, they, they just wanted to get out and play in the swings below and drum an ear. They wanted to get out and have fun. They didn't want to stay inside. And you can totally understand that, you know. What, what do you make of the dresses and the like? Phil was telling me yesterday that she looked it up and the average spend now for a communion is €1,000. That's a lot of money, Teresa. Too much, friend. Yeah. Too, too much. And friend, I'll give you. I was no, I have no problem in saying I was in the same Vincent the, sh- uh, the pawn shop here in Nina the other day, and I was looking at beautiful communion dresses. You know, and I mean, when you think about it, what's wrong with buying out of that shop? You're also helping other people, yeah. so you're doing a community service. You know, don't go, don't overdo it. I mean, you can, my, I remember my communion dress that I had for my daughter, it did two wedding flowers and it did her communion. It was used three times. But I was able to, I'm good with the needle and thread, so I was able to turn around and change it to each section that you needed to change. But the white was there. Um, you can do it. You don't have to overspend to look at your child you know the way they are now Teresa sure god they'd throw a tantrum if you said they had to wear a a second hand dress or something like that isn't that saying a lot then for what you're teaching and bringing them up friend Mm, I suppose you know in all fairness I mean I'm heading over 60 parts a day I have no problem in saying that I go in and get what I need if I have to in a second hand shop I'm proud to do it because I find I am helping a person that's less often me so I'm helping some other people back in the community by buying that. Right. So you're saying on the radio today, you have no problem with going into a second-hand shop and buying stuff? And Not one bit, mm. friend, and I do, and the girls know me inside, in the shops inside Nina, and I have no problem, because I made her support in Friends of Animals, I made her support in the St. Vincent de Paul, or Sue Riders, whatever shop is there. There's nothing wrong with supporting, because you're putting it back into the community. Mm. I'd rather give... 20 or 30 euros for a dress inside 
maybe add a little bit to it if you wanted to change it a little bit mm. in style if you're good with a needle and thread. But you look at it. You haven't the money to go out and buy a new, but yet you can give 30 euros and that's helping someone else that hasn't the money at all. So why not? Will you stay with me for a moment, Teresa? Just, just hang on there because Rachel is uh, joining us. Rachel, good morning to you. Hi, Efren. Uh, good gr- morning to gr- you. Great to talk to you, Rachel. You've been listening to Teresa there. Would you go along with what Teresa is saying? Um, I would. Now, myself, I'm a single parent with two boys. And for myself, I actually have the entire communion done for less than €150 at the minute. And that's including the food, the outfits, to do the memory, to mark the day and the occasion. That's incredible, How how do you How did you manage that? Um, what I'm going to do at home, I'll do the food at home. So like the starter, watermelon or soup. And then the main course, I'll do a beef stroganoff or a chicken curry. But you could do uh, like chickpeas for mm. two. And if you did want to do steak, beef, you can boil your potatoes, your veg, roast them in the oven. That's like you don't have your time taken up. And for dessert, do banana, apple, and um, the cake. I'll pick it up pre-made in Tesco or Centra. And I guess a can of whipped cream that we can write my son's name on the cake. And also let him stick some Smarties into it. That sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. And friend, can I just say I congratulate that girl. Fair play to you. (laughs) That's what it's all about. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Yeah. 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 And And go on, Rachel, what else? Yeah, then my dress, I'm very proud and I've no shame in saying it. My dress was three euro in the thank you charity shop in Templemore. It's absolutely stunning. Um, my two boys, I've picked up the my son's outfit and his baby brother's suit for a fiver each. So our outfits have come to thirteen euro without the shoes. And how does your son feel about that, Rachel? Um, it, how I brought my kids up is basically I don't want them to be materialistic, and I want them to understand the value of money. And that life is about love and about the memories you create, the moments and the special occasions. So to give you an example of that, um, for Christmas, he had decided all the rage is the Goldberg cart. Hmm. And they start at 650, 850 euro upwards. So... I told him I wasn't too sure if Santi would be able to carry the weight on his sleigh yeah. because he'd have all the toys for the kids around the world. And if a, a number of children asked for them, it is, it, the sleigh could come out of the sky. Mm. So I was watching Marketplace on Facebook and I got a two-seat go-kart in County Leash for €30. Euro. So we took off on the drive up first. And we couldn't go on the motorway going home because we needed the boot open, the hazard lights on, the back roads. And when we got outside Rat Downey, we hopped into Supermax and we got our curry chips. Mm. So by the time we got home, um, they, they were a beautiful couple that I got it off of. They took parts of it off 
and gave me the wrench to put it back together. Um, when we arrived home, there was two gentlemen walking by and I asked them, I said, look, guys, would you mind putting the wheels back on this go-kart? So the go-kart is a memory, it's an experience, but we got it for €30, Euro, not Six hundred and fifty, and, and, and he was delighted with it, Rachel. Well, absolutely. Like, yeah. if you think about it, what child ever turned around on their birthday or Christmas day and said, Woohoo, look at the packaging that my toy came in? They don't care, they care about the toy. Teresa, listening to that, is that exactly what you've been saying to me? Exactly, friend. And you know what? That is what you call good parenting, mm. good mother, a fantastic that cares about her children. And, you know, I'd be like herself. I mean, I struggle too bringing up my own too because I was on my own part of the time as well. And that's what love is all about. As she says, it isn't a cost when to see. You can do it. Anybody can do it out there today. You just have to have the compassion. And money isn't the answer to everything. It's not, friend. And Teresa, can I ask you, and I'll go back and ask Rachel this as well, but you're bringing up, you've brought up kids on, on your own. I know they're in their 30s now, Teresa, but how how difficult was that? Was that all consumed? Was there any Teresa time along the way? Very little friend at the beginning because I had to put a house under me. I had to get the kids through school. Um, Teresa time has come in in the last couple of years because they've gone on and done their own thing. Yeah. Um, I was glad to be able to do it. I am proud I've done it. I am proud of my children to this day because I tell you, you couldn't ask for better. And Rachel, what about you? Was it all consuming for you, Rachel? Is it all consuming for you? Because you're going through it right now. Well, I'm going through it right now and I'm also going through cancer treatment. But I believe it's your mindset. How you view something, you can view the positives or you can take the negatives. And you're going, so you're going through cancer treatment at the moment? Yes, as well. So basically, like as an example, last summer I was very fatigued from surgeries and my cancer treatment. But the weather was really, really good. So I packed up the tents, the bags, and I brought my boys wild camping that we went on the beach. So it meant every day while I felt fatigued, I only had to hop out of the tent <laughs> and cook our breakfast on the ring, boil the, the dinner, whatever it was. And all day long, they were in and out of the sea, playing on bodyboards, building sand castles. And then friends were invited if they wanted to come join. So you get the mix of the adults, the children. So it was supposed to be three days camping, but the weather forecast turned out to be better for the week. So it actually ended up being a mini foreign holiday. So it, it, for the entire, the meals, the petrol, about 50 euro gave us a family holiday. My God. And that, 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 that's incredible. And how are you feeling now? What's, what's the story at the moment? Um, now I'm really good. I was very lucky. Some surgeries went wrong in August and September. So I ended up in intensive care for a while. But now, thankfully, I'm coming out the other side. I'm fatigued. So uh, what that means at the minute is it's improving. So things like to bring the kids out on their bicycles or I'd go out on the roller skates with them. 
so they're getting the air, I'm getting the exercise, and we're all fresh to go with sleep. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? But you must, you know, when you got the diagnosis, you must have been very worried about your boys, Rachel, and all of that. Okay, we seem to have uh, lost uh, uh, Rachel there. Teresa, that's 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 an amazing story, isn't it? Fantastic lady, isn't she? And it, you know, it just goes to show what you can money can't buy love, no matter what you say. You know, and I do wish her every very best of wishes because I think that's what shows what a mother is that can come in even when you're sick, and that you can do what you can do for your kids. Yeah, Rachel is back with us, and I was just uh, making the point to you before we lost contact, Rachel, that uh, when you got the diagnosis, you must have great concerns about your boys. Uh, absolutely, I would have. So that gave me all the more reason and drive. They were my drivers that I was going to fight it and make it true. And to also spin positivity. So what I would have done, I would have kept keeping activities going so that they wouldn't have a worry or a concern. So, like, an example of that would be, which would actually help for anyone on financial pressure today, like one of those, I would have brought them to Nor Valley in Bennett's Bridge outside Kilkenny. Yes. And there you can do glamping, and that's basically a wood, wooden shed. Six euro for the night, you get a double bed, a single bed, you have electricity, heating, television, but you get free into the animal farm. So uh, everything that was there, cooking facilities, toilets, showers, the boys got to feed the animals and they got to go on the back of a tractor where they bring you down to find the alligator (laughs) and the tractor turns around and comes back up. So all little things like that, playground in it, um, if I didn't feel like cooking, they do fresh scones in the morning, homemade, pizza for dinner, five euro. So you, you can make what you want to make out of life. You can make what you need to make out of a situation. Well, Rachel and Teresa, it was an inspiration to speak to you both this morning. I think you're both fantastic women. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you to both of you and look after yourselves. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, friends. Okay, bye, bye-bye. bye-bye. That's uh, Rachel and uh, Teresa speaking to us uh, today. 1800 the uh, text and WhatsApp 83 Now, just to remind you again that uh, we start back with our gardening slot today. Alton will be with us towards the end of the programme. So if you have a gardening query, um, and I'm sure if your garden is anything like mine, um, <laughs> it's a bit chaotic at the moment. So if you have a query for Alton, will you log it with us as soon as you can on a text and a WhatsApp? I'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
Ah, huge response to Teresa and Rachel this morning. Margaret was on from Churchill in Thurles and says, uh, fair play to Teresa and Rachel, two very sensible mammies and the very best of luck to Rachel with her treatment. Um, good morning, Fran. That brought a tear to my eye when the lady was listing out her menu and preparation plan for her son's communion. Just pure love to somebody else. Uh, Patrick was on. I agree with uh, Teresa. No problem shopping in second-hand shops. I love second-hand shops. I must say, I absolutely love them. There's a fantastic one in Cashel, um, just uh, near the near uh, Dwyer's Pharmacy there. Absolutely fantastic shop. Uh, Liam was on to say, Fran, first we hear of uh, Damien English and uh, then the following week we hear of Pascal and now we hear about Liam Clearly the words honest and trustworthy does not exist. Do we want this uh, party in the next election? And uh, Liam seems to figure no. Somebody else saying about uh, body cams. Worrying about body cams on guards. Surely if you're not breaking the law, you have nothing to worry about where that is concerned. That's just a taste of what's uh, coming into us. Jacinta joins me now. Jacinta, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you, Jacinta. You have five children, so you're in a good position to comment on the whole business of community and parties and uh, communion parties and all of that. How do you feel about it, Jacinta? I am. I am. I've been through it so many times now. Um, I had. I actually had two last year. Did you? Right. Yes. Oh, I had a confirmation and then I had the communion in May. Right. So it was, you know, a lot, like, I could understand that lady's post, you know, Mm. how she was feeling and stuff. You get so stressed and worried about everything, you know, with the financial side of it and are you doing enough and everything. But honestly, you know, when it comes to the kids, when it comes to their day, they're not going to be thinking of what other kids are doing or what they're getting. They're going to be so wrapped up in, you know, their own feelings of happiness and being surrounded by their loving family and, you know, mm. the fuss being made about them. It, it really comes down to that. Like, I know she feels the child is coming home and saying stuff, but it won't matter when it comes to the day. Honestly, it won't. Yeah, you know? because the mother said um, the daughter told her that her experience from her friends were hairdressers in the morning beforehand, oh. followed by a hotel meal and bouncy castle and, yeah. and off to a centre park then or one of these other parks or whatever. It, it, it's crazy, like, to put that amount of pressure on, especially if you have more than one child. You know, you have to bring a whole family with you. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like, I, I have... I have two girls and my daughter, my oldest, she's nearly 18, but I got her dress custom-made then from America and it was 150 euros, I think it cost me. But each of the other girls knew they were going to be wearing that dress. You know, I, I kept it for each of them. And how did I they feel? Know. How did they feel about that, Jacinta? They, and you know, they loved it because and she was like a princess. And then it went to Nanny's house. So it was kept in Nanny's house, so it was kind of precious. <laughs> oh, I see. So it reappeared again as almost really? a, a new uh, dress. Yeah. Yes. And they knew. They knew it had been originally Sophie's and then Holly's and then Ellie's. But they loved it. They couldn't wait for their turn in the dress. <laughs> right. And some of your kids, are, are they, is it a mixture of boys and girls? I have three girls and two boys. Right. Is there a big difference with the expectations from the girls as opposed to the boys? Absolutely, Fran. Absolutely. You know, the girls are definitely high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Acting like Joseph, we done we done DIY decorations and we had a great time. Mm. Oh, he wasn't bothered at all. I think he was even yawning in the car <laughs> and just 
he could have been anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Whereas the girls expect... Oh, more. the whole princess treatment. And you can do it without having all these hairdressers and everything. You know, get them involved in decorating the house the day before, you know, let them pick where the decorations go and get up early in the morning, curl their hair. You know, it, it, you don't have to go mad with Yes. And and do, did you feel for the mother when the daughter... Uh, no, I, I actually doubt that. I think the daughter might have been fibbing when she said that she told her, her, her mates in school that they were so poor they couldn't afford it and it, the mother was mortified. I wonder, in fact, did that actually well, happen? Fran, I'll tell you something. My children have often said that, that they have said, oh, so we're poor, we can't afford that. <laughs> so I would absolutely 100% believe it. But kids don't care. You know, they'll just say whatever right. black and white. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought the well, girls might have been a little bit more sort of, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. like, I, to say to that mother is not to be worried about what everybody else is doing. Because that's out of your hands anyway, you know, right. so you can just make a good day for your daughter. But Jacinta, do you see over-the-top communion oh, and wedding celebrations? And, and confirmation celebrations? Yeah, yeah, it's gone crazy, like. Yeah. like you, and you can spend thousands. Like, I, I know a girl that had bought her little girl off to get the dress, and it was all this, you know, yes to the dress, like as if it was a bride. And she paid nearly a grand ah, for the dress. Ah, stop. Like that. And she had only one girl and a boy. So that's right. But after thousand euros and no one else was going to get to wear it, well, I suppose she could sell it or whatever, but I just think it's crazy to pay that amount. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the hotel and the whole business of that and how expensive it is for it to bring yeah. the relations on and, yeah. You you really kind of have to sit down and plan it out and list. Are your best friends? <laughs> or you have lists for everything, you know, just so you know what you're doing and what you're spending. Right, okay. But you're saying to people out there who this might be ahead of them, Jacinta, you don't need to spend a fortune. You don't. You really don't. Like, you could start now and go into the, you know, into the Eurosaver shops and collect your sweets, you know, for your yeah. hoodies and stuff. Yeah. Work out even, like, if you wanted to cook yourself a big pot of curry or stew and that's in clothes and your salad sandwiches, bring it back to the simple lighting, and they do love it. Well, Jacinta, it was great to talk to you, and you look after yourself, and you're, you're making me hungry now thinking of the salad sandwiches <laughs> and the soup and all of it. Look after yourself, Jacinta. Good meal, my good. Thank you. Thank you, Dot. Thank you, and bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Jacinta speaking to us today. 1800-938-007. Rachel is great as well. I raised two kids on my own. I wanted to go to Tremor one day, and I thought we'd have dinner out. The bank screen read insufficient funds, even for €20. Euro. I had the petrol and the makings of a picnic. We went and we had a great day. And these days are where the memories come from. Isn't that lovely? Lovely text in. Um, somebody else saying it's a nice positive discussion on Tip FM. I think we need get, to get back to basic living. Another listener says the lady is an inspiration and a breath of fresh air. And uh, I'm sure that's making reference to Rachel and uh, to Teresa. Good morning, Fran. Teresa has a very positive and reassuring outlook. Many of us 
uh, were raised on hand-me-downs. I still raid my sister's clothes before she donates to the charity shops. The amount of clothes that goes into landfill is a scandal. I bought second-hand furniture in charity shops and upcycled it. Uh, They are personal projects and they have great satisfaction and I'm very, very proud of them as well. Uh, Someone else saying, I have to agree with that, Teresa. No problem shopping in second-hand shops, says uh, Patrick. Um, Okay, and then it goes into some uh, people reacting to Moorish's conversation with me as well. I'll get back to that in just a little while as well. Somebody telling me that it's up to €3,000 for three nights uh, in Centre Parks. Good God, is it? Wow, wow. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Back in a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com Now, you're very welcome back. Mike was on to say, Fran, you were doing a section on dumping yesterday morning. I drove a tractor from Johnstown to Thurlis yesterday. Rubbish, he says. It's everywhere and it's mad stuff. In our area, we take it to Dunmore Landfill and you meet people who always compliment these facilities and how cheap they are uh, to take your refuse uh, there. Uh, Yeah, there's there's all sorts of uh, places that you can go, Mike, but seemingly... From my discussion yesterday with uh, Noel Buckley, uh, people just appear to be flinging stuff out the windows of uh, cars. Um, uh, Jim says, uh, Fran, they're starting the same crack with widening of footpaths from the Bancher Road to the cemetery. Um, it's a summer and it will take two years for God's sake, says uh, Jim. Um, okay, lots more uh, coming into us as well. And I'll wade through it and bring it to you in just a little while. But... The day that's in it, it's the 1st of February. It's St. Bridget's Day, Law Fail of Bridget, uh, which celebrates Ireland's only female patron saint. And for more on this, glad to be joined now by local historian Mary Alice O'Connor. Good morning to you, Mary Alice. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. <laughs> happy St. Bridget's Day. Is that, is that appropriate to say that? Do people oh, say yes. happy St. Bridget's oh, yes. Day? And all very of much yeah. so. Law Fail of And you know something? Yes. It's really interesting. It mm. has enjoyed such a revival. You know? Yeah, and why do you think that is, Mary Alice? Um, I think it's probably down to women, obviously. Um, St. Patrick, of course, is our patron saint and always to the forefront. Mm. But now this whole thing of the feminine, the fertility, I suppose, all of that has come to the fore. There was a smashing programme last night on RT. Um, I thought maybe in a way it was overdone the claims, the claims you know because we have to think back to the origins of St. Uh, Bridget uh, she was born in Dundalk in kind of the 5th century mm. so what we know we're summarising to a certain extent aren't we you know yeah, course, and yeah. um, she's most associated I suppose with Kildare mm. uh, Bridget mm. of Kildare and she founded a, she was a nun and she founded a, a convent there or depending on how you want to look at it, she was an abbess or she became a bishop, you know. So that's kind of the the claim. And there are St. Bridget Wells. Now, I was looking to see if there was any in Tipperary, and the only one I could come up with was in North Tip. Whereabouts, Mary Alice? Gosh. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, upper around Newport, up that okay. area, I think. Very good. Yeah. And the thing is, the claims would be very similar to all the other holy wells. And we'd go back in time, I suppose, to medieval times when these, the rituals of doing the rounds of the well and going to the well for cures and all that, they were they were pagan traditions. Mm. And rather than taking them away from people, when Christianity came, they embraced them and they, they Christianized them, for, mm. for want of a better word, you know. And um, it's wonderful in a way that British is now suddenly being recognized in this in this way yes. that um, she is the equivalent of our St. Patrick. And often they're depicted together, you know, in stained glass windows and that you'll see St. Patrick. Now, I'm not sure if they knew each other, you know. Um, and it very much goes back to this, this festival of fertility. I mean, 1st of February, uh, with spring, lambs in the field, cows calving, all this kind of thing. So you were not alone in the human human beings, but in the farms, in the land and all of that. We're leaving the long winter behind us and we're embracing the springtime. Yes, you know? it's very much that, isn't it? Because there's a great links with the agricultural traditions and St. Bridget. And there's some fascinating ones there, actually, Mary Oz. There, there is. Yeah. Um, and of course, the idea was that you left out your scarf, mm. cloak, any sort of um, piece of material overnight. Yes. And then St. Bridget would come. She'd pass over the land on the eve of, of her feast day and she would bless it. And if you had any trouble then, uh, particularly headaches or a sore throat, you could wrap that scarf around you and it would have healing properties. And we say that the tradition of making the St. Bridget's cross now, that was very in vogue always. Mm. Um, I, I must confess, Dan, I, I never actually made one. Did you but not? I have No, but mm. I have a lovely, lovely sister-in-law in Thurlis. And you know what? If I said to you, go to her house, I could tell you that it's marked by a St. Bridget's Cross, which is visible when you pull up at the gate. Is it indeed? Yes. It, it wasn't it a tradition at one stage that, you know, newly married couples would get St. Bridget's crosses for, for yes. pr- to, to protect yes. the home yes. and all and of that. And yeah. there's lovely kind of blessings and I was kind of heartened to see that people were sharing those blessings. Basically, it's asking St. Bridget to protect the house, protect everybody in mm. the house for the year. And that can't be a bad thing, can it? It and certainly It's counts, interesting because, yeah. like, we live in such a secular society now where, you know, you would think St. Bridget's people would go, oh, what's that about? Mm. You know, and of course, I suppose, I suppose we look at it this way, friend. Now, the fact that we have a bank holiday. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, will new traditions or new ways of celebrating uh, grow up, you know? And wouldn't that uh, be great? I'm not sure if you read Colm Keane's book, uh, The Book of St. Bridget, did you? No, the, I didn't. The late Colm no. Keane. It's, a, it's yes. an amazing... I have it somewhere and, and I'll yes. send it to you, Mary Alice. Oh, uh, great. Be, because yes. it, it tells of her, her life, as you say, in Kildare, but she also travelled the country, but she was an extremely powerful woman who, you know, yes. did, her, did her own yeah. thing and she was the boss over, over men and over, you know, monks and stuff. And she was incredibly powerful. That's right. And and apparently, <laughs> which I found very amusing, that, um, you know, we're always talk, told about St. Bridget's cloak and that um, mm. if two factions were, were fighting and wanting to go at each other, she would throw the cloak 
and over them right. and they'd fall asleep and when they woke up each <laughs> each side God, I can think of a few places for like, <laughs> I can, not too far from me where that cloak could be handy the, right the, now the cloak would be very very handy indeed it would be very yeah. handy um, yeah. there, there, I, so. there's a little bit of confusion as well because there appears to be a, a Bridget that is more associated with paganism and then you have the Christian Bridget is that your understanding or is do you see it as the same person I see it as the same person, personally. Yes. I think what happened was that this ancient festival of Ibolic, uh, that was the the, the pagan um, uh, medieval festival. Mm. And then, again, it was Christianized. And so, you know, you when you look back, you see, you have a lot of that going on with St. Patrick as well, really, you know. Mm. Uh, how do we know, really, if the truth is told, what happened in, in 452 or four? 32, mm. you know, there's a little bit of maybe supposition and adding on to it. Um, I saw where Mary Kennedy from Nationwide mm. and her sister, they've written uh, a book mm. about going to the well in Clondalkin. All right. Okay. And there's a, a well dedicated to St. Bridget. And uh, also a tradition, now it certainly wouldn't be uh, something that we'd recognise in Tipperary, and I never heard of it, to be quite honest with you, but the Biddy Boys. And oh, yes. They're, they're, <laughs> I'm, a, yeah. I'm a Biddy Boy of my own here, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to the Biddy Boy. There. They're, they're like um, the Wren Boys, aren't they? Yes, very yeah. similar. So I was asking uh, Ger to know if he remembered it, and he said yes, when he was a child, the older men would go house to house um, they, they'd be a musician or they'd sing and it was very similar to the Wren yes. but uh, he's, the, the youngsters weren't allowed to go and his own father would have thought that it was disrespectful and I was wondering about that and apparently the kind of um, rhyme that was you know they'd say mm. was uh, here is Bridget blessed dressed in white, give her a penny for this dark night. She's deaf, she's dumb, for God's sake, give her a thumb. So that's kind of a bit mocking, you yes, know, yeah. or disrespectful. So that has died out, I think. I, the only well, I'm not sure, because there's a, a picture on the front of the examiner today, Mary Alice, of the Kilgobbinet biddies practising. And they're oh, dressed right. in white, like you're describing there, and yes. they kind of have straw hats on them, yes. and they have little yeah. miniature uh, St. Bridget's crosses uh, pinned mm. to them as well. So it mm. must be reviving this tradition. Perhaps. I mean, it has survived in, in Dingle, in that area of yes. Kerry, in South Kerry. But in North Kerry, Ger would have said it died out kind of with the generation before him and then the next generation right. didn't, you know. Right. Um, and it's most like the Renbys around here. I remember the Renbys when I was a child or a young person. Yeah, sure, it's all but gone now, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of all gone now, you know. And then you have the other kind of trick-or-treating and this stuff, which is an Americanism, and we of brought that is, sort yeah. of thing in, yeah. you know. But I think St. Bridget is good, and I think the fact that there's a bank holiday, um, we give it kind of added value, and it's, you know, coming out of a long... I think the month of January was the longest ever, oh, you I know. know. I know. Jeannie, Mac, you know, with all yeah. the sort of... We're caught now in a whirlwind of sort of negative news and, and, and strife all the time. So I think it's great. Yes. Okay, it doesn't matter to me. I'm retired now. But for young families and people that they can have time to relax, you know, that post-pandemic, everybody, I think things are gone busier than ever. Mm. And, you know, okay, some people can manage the blended work, but a lot of people are gone back and they're back on the long commute and all that. 
So that's great. And maybe new or the revival of more things will come. You know, and wouldn't on, that be wouldn't that be good? You you just sparked a memory uh, with me there when you spoke about January. Yeah. Roald Dahl, the the author, uh, said yeah. that uh, January should be cancelled and we should have two Julys. So <laughs> I'd go along with that. A big time. I know. Is, is there anything in your memory about bits of cloth where Bridget is concerned? Um, well, the bits of cloth. One of them would have been the the, the scarf, the cloak, whatever you. Oh, could is that put what out. it is? Right. And okay. there was also the idea that do you know the the cross that you made the previous year that that could be broken up and perhaps if there was some material, that it could be put out um, and incorporated into maybe a straw bed for the animals or oh, that. And then good. by extension, that was bringing that uh, blessedness to the farmyard, you know. Yes. And also, that, that I mean, when you think about it, how many people do we know, especially younger people, mm. who would do the bless the crops or walk around the, the whatever piece of ground they have um, on May Eve. Yes, I, I'd always do it. You, I'd always do, do it. you yeah. always do it, even still, yeah. I do, and, yeah. And yeah again, I get these to water, yeah. And, you know, even if you're not church going, it, it's a lovely tradition, isn't it? I, I just oh, love I traditions so. like yeah, that, you know. Yeah, there was also the tradition, apparently, but again, I don't recall it, that um, in uh, houses that they would have uh, maybe you know that if a dinner of potatoes and and butter and maybe add chopped cabbage into it to be called canon and this would be a kind of the festival meal you know right. very um, good and can I ask you finally Mary are you kind of cross that I mean right through the middle ages and for centuries afterwards in fact the church kind of cancelled Bridget in a lot of ways you know and mainly because she was a powerful woman I suppose well oh sure <laughs> Don't start me, Sister. Don't, don't even get me started. <laughs> I think, though, a lot of... Maybe that happened to other saints as well. I possibly. Think, possibly. I think Christopher used to be very popular at one stage and then he sort of went into decline. I always remember my mother named my brother Michael Christopher, you know, and this was kind of invoking the protection of Christopher. Um, yeah, I do think, unfortunately, that, you know, a male-dominated... Mm. Uh, <laughs> mm. A male-dominated church Indeed. factored out Bridget, and we've got to reclaim that. I well, she, she's back you know? by all accounts, Mary she's Alice. Back. So it's so it's a, it's, it's a good thing. It's always good to talk to you, Mary Alice. Thank you, <laughs> and once again, a happy uh, Law Fela Bridget law to you. Law Fela Bridget. Thanks, God Mary bless. Alice. Thank you. Bye bye, you know, Mary Alice O'Connor speaking to us on this, the first of Feb, uh, Saint Bridget's Day. How do you feel about Saint Bridget? Eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, this week we've teamed up with uh, Talbot Fitness in the Talbot Hotel Clonmel. They're launching their Leisure Centre membership sales. If you want to talk to them about that, I'm sure that they'd be delighted uh, to do so. But by way of celebration of all of that, they've given us a gift voucher, a month's Leisure Centre membership. 
at the award winner winning leisure facility now it's all inclusive of all the things that I'm really um, good at you know the gym is there and the swimming pool all, all the stuff I love and also sauna and jacuzzi and steam rooms and all of that kind of thing so it's just uh, wonderful and uh, that prize is based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp 083 311 we have gardening at the end of the hour so again it's our uh, the first of our gardening slots of 2023. So if you have a question, will you log it with us, please, as soon as you can. Now, we're with you uh, every weekday, of course, from 9 o'clock. Uh, Richie spoke to me this morning about uh, ongoing traffic issues in Tipperary Town and what some might deem the unfair labelling of Tipperary Town as one of the worst towns to drive through. Here's just a little of what he had to say to me just after 9 o'clock this morning. People want to live there. Yeah. And like I said at the beginning, if we get the connections for the Outer Ring Road, improve the road from Cashel to Tipperary Town and care to Tipperary Town, a lot more businesses will come into the town with factories lying empty. Mm. And they should be used with young people travelling out every day, competing with other jobs in Limerick and Clonmel when they could compete in their own town and boost the own economy in the town. And Richie, are you of the opinion if the, as you call it, the ring road or the bypass or whatever, if that happens um, that it would make all the difference. Do you, do oh, you I, absolutely. All, yeah. all the difference it would make. Yeah. Uh, truck drivers say you don't want to be on these back roads and as, as a bottleneck. Like I said, this is not just a temporary problem, a temporary town problem. This actually bounces back, I think, to Dublin Port, yeah. where trucks would be given the opportunity to get past this bottleneck and divert some of that traffic to Rosslare Harbour, for instance, you know. I think Tipperary Town is the last blockage, you know. The, the work that happened on the Limerick Road that tightened the, the amount of space that traffic would have com- coming and going on the Limerick Road, I, I don't know why they did that, because it, I think it added to the issue. It did add to the issue. It did. You know, the larger footpaths and, you know. <clears throat> that was, there's one particular footpath they widened there just at Chester's Pub. Yes. People are familiar with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, at one time, you could come down from Martin Brain Terrace and the traffic could just about split in two at a certain point for people to turn left or right. Now, the car in front of you wants to turn right, you're stuck. You're, you, you can't move. And if they were to do that, they should probably put a set of traffic lights there to do it. Or they could have just left it alone till we had a bypass. Do the improvements to the town when a bypass is there. Right now, they're slowing traffic down. Maybe it was a traffic cam and to slow things down. But we have to keep flowing. Well, that's Richie speaking to me just after 9 o'clock this morning and uh, every weekday from 9, of course. Um, a big thank you to Matty McGraw who highlighted uh, the problem with the hotel in Lismore in the Doyle yesterday. Uh, not one of our Waterford TDs spoke up for us, so thank you. Matty's is one of our listeners. Uh, Peggy was on to say, I bought my daughter a communion dress 22 years ago. It was a two-piece dress with a long coat. This dress was handed down to two of my cousin's daughters and then my younger daughter daughter wore it as well. My older daughter had twins six years ago. I got the dress and it was changed into a boy and girl christening gown. So well done to you, Peggy. That's value for money, I can tell you. And uh, listen around to say, Fran, what's wrong with asking God to protect your house? A far greater entity, don't you think? And also we're commanded to pray only to the God of the heavens. 
Are we? Okay. I, I, I wouldn't know, but I know a lot of people have veneration for different saints. There's a, a friend of mine and she's obsessed with uh, Saint Anthony. She keeps losing things. And she says he's great, but he's expensive. So <laughs> make what you will of that. All right. Every fortnight we speak to the Gardaí to keep you up to date on what's been going on around the county. Glad to be joined now by Sergeant in charge of Clonmel Garda Station, Margaret Kelly. Good morning to you, Margaret. Morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. Um, let us begin with... Um, a native of Newport receiving a, a sentence. That's right. Um, up there in Nina District, a native, a native of Newport received a 16-month sentence at Nina District Court recently. The suspect had pleaded guilty to a total of 20 charges and had been in custody since the 9th of November. Most of the offences occurred in Nina Town. The suspect had been charged with two burglary offences as well as five thefts from cars, driving while disqualified and trespass offences. And the guardian Nina would like to thank the public for their assistance in apprehending that man and bringing him before the court. So that was great um, oh, detection yeah. up there. Good news. Let's stay in Newport because there's been a number of incidents there. That's right. The Gardaí and Nina are investigating a number of incidents that occurred in Newport Town on the 27th of January. A car stolen in Limerick was driven to Newport in the early hours of that morning and subsequently burnt out. The keys of a second car were stolen from a house and this car was used by the suspects to make good their escape. The car has since been recovered in Limerick and it's been technically examined. CCTV has been examined by the Gardaí there and they're continuing their investigation. So if anyone has any information on that, they'd appreciate it. Now to Ross Gray then, Margaret, and theft from a car? That's right. Sometime before 4pm on the 29th of January, that was Sunday, members of the public are urged to be security conscious at all times. There was a car broken into there and items stolen from from it so the advice being not to leave your property in view and to ensure your cars are locked and report anything suspicious if you see it. Fraud once again Margaret, some different types of fraud. Yes and I suppose look as as listeners and as the public is becoming more aware the frauds seem to be getting more sophisticated Mm. all the time and up in Nina they have a number of different types of frauds that have been reported to them recently uh, in their district uh, with members of the public are being asked to be ever vigilant in relation to to them and they have an example here of a woman from Nina who contacted them during the week to report a fraud incident. The woman had received a text message purporting to be from a well-known government department. She clicked on the link and at that point she received a phone call where she thought it was supposed to be from her bank but in fact it was the fraudsters and two and a half thousand was taken from her account. So I mean devastating for anybody it's a large amount of money and um, I suppose she thought she was doing the right thing in combating a fraud but you just have to be ever vigilant really. Don't don't click on the links I suppose has to be the the advice there. Um, Detection is still drink driving going on Margaret? That's right so we'll talk about this across the yeah. whole of Tipperary Division for the different districts. There are two detections for drink drunken driving in the last number of days up in the Nina district. One of them was in Newport and the second in Ross Grey. A file has been prepared on both those matters. Um, 
the Gardaí responded to four different public order incidents in the last week with two in Nina and two in Ross Grey and these incidents were dealt with by way of a charge sheet to court or a fixed charge penalty notice. Right, some they, thefts from shops as well. That's right, four yeah. thefts from shops were reported in Nina in the last week and the Gardaí up there are harvesting CCTV in relation to those incidents and hopefully uh, will follow up on those lines of inquiries in relation to those thefts. So your own area then, uh, Margaret, and yeah, a great idea about the community uh, property marking event. That's right. So the Clamell Community Policing Unit took part in a community property marking event at Moyle Rovers GAA grounds. This was organised by the Powerstown and Lisrona Community Group and items like bikes, trailers, farm machinery and garden tools were all marked up at the event and the community actually doubled the event as a chance to do a fundraiser for the Tipperary branch of Down Syndrome Ireland. So, look, well done to the local community there in Powerstown, Lisrona, and also to the community guardie here in Clonmel. And if any community groups are interested in arranging something similar, it doesn't have to be a fundraiser, mm. but a property marking event, they are more than welcome to contact us here at Clonmel Garda Station and we will arrange that with the community policing unit. Very good. And is that free, Margaret? It is absolutely oh, okay. free. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you'll get a big take up on, on that. Will you tell me about the four women that were arrested? That's right. So a great detection really um, here last weekend. Four Four women aged in their 20s and 30s were arrested for the theft of a large amount of clothing from a sports shop in the town on Saturday the 28th of January. We're pleased to say that all the property was actually recovered by the glum the Gardaí in Clonmel and returned to the shop where the items were stolen from. The persons involved have been charged and will be before the courts in Clonmel next well this month now actually. Mm, some public order and indeed drunkenness uh, That's offences right. as well. Yeah. We had 10 persons arrested for public order related and drunkenness offences in the last two weeks in Clonmel district. Some of these people have been charged to court and others uh, like Nina will receive fixed charge notices for those offences. Right, again more drink driving? We had two two persons arrested in the last two weeks for driving under the influence of an intoxicant and that can mean either drink or drugs so a lot of good work there France. Right of course you have that new drug testing uh, system at the, at the moment up and running as well Margaret. That's right. Um, you're looking for the public's assistance. Yes we're investigating a burglary that occurred on the evening of the 23rd of January, that was the Monday, and this was in the Lisrona area. The lock of a shed was forced and the shed was entered by trespassers or uh, you know, could have been one or more mm. people. A number of garden tools were stolen there, including a Husqvarna chainsaw and a still strimmers and we're asking anyone that saw anything suspicious in and around that area to please contact us. Right. Uh, business premises in the town, was it damaged? That's right. So yeah. um, there was a business premises in the town on the 26th of January and it, the alarm was going off so the owner, the business owner was alerted to that and when the guardian and the business owner arrived at the premises, they, it looked like there had been an attempt to gain access to the premises. Damage was caused to the door, a side door and glass was smashed also so that occurred between 10 and 11pm on Thursday night last. So look we would have a lot of people out walking here in Clonmel mm. in the town it's nice and lit up and with the footpaths and everything so we're asking if anyone was out walking or even driving through the O'Connell Street area in Clonmel to make contact with us if they saw anything. 
If we shift to the Tipperary Town District uh, then, Margaret, and um, there there was some, some arrests, I think, wasn't there? That's right. Yeah. So f- there was a number of tests of oil and gardening products in the Tipperary Town District in November and December of last year, and we would have made appeals on the radio in respect of those. One man has now been arrested within the last two weeks in Tipperary Town. He was charged and brought to Tipperary District Court which was sitting at Nina, charged with a number of offences arising from those incidents. And that person is currently on bail with very strict conditions. So good work there. Drinking and driving again, raising its ugly head. That's right. In the last two weeks in Tipperary Town District, they've had four persons have been arrested for drunken driving related offences and court appearances will follow. Yes, with the amount of arrests for drink driving, do I take it, are you on a bit of a run where this is concerned? Is there more of a a focus on this, Margaret? I suppose we we would have lots of checkpoints all around the Tipperary County and each district has their own hotspots and things like that where they would target, you know, travelling criminals, yes. but also if there's drunk driving, I mean, it, it is detected at those checkpoints as well. So it's it's kind of a constant thing, really. I think we're trying to highlight it yeah. so that people realise that this is still very much on our agenda. All right. Uh, you're looking for witnesses to a burglary. That's right. A burglary which occurred in the Grenan Drive area of Tipperary Town on the 28th of January, sometime between 8pm and midnight. The culprits broke a window to gain entry to a house and a television and a DVD player was stolen. So anyone with information there, please contact their local guardie in Tip Town. Right. Anti-social behaviour. Yes. Um, we have been become aware that a number of antisocial behaviour and stone throwing incidents which were believed to have occurred last weekend the 27th into the all the way through the weekend into the 30th of January in the James Connolly Park area of the town and Tipperary Gardaí would appeal to anybody who witnessed any of those incidents to ring them directly or alternatively ring 999 if they see any of that antisocial behaviour going on and they will deal with it. So the Care District then, Margaret, I saw on social media there the Senior Citizens Party that the Gardaí celebrated with. It was a great event, wasn't it? That's right, the yeah. event. It was well supported a great evening for everyone. Uh, there's a new superintendent there, Kieran Ruan. Mm. He's just taken over Care Garda District and he opened the event and, and welcomed everybody. He transferred to the district last week. The event saw collaboration from the Care Men's Shed, the McGrath School of Dancing, transition year students from Klaus to Donishkig in Care, and Superintendent Eddie Golden turned up as well. Um, he's now transferred to Turles District. The Guardian Care just want to acknowledge all who helped to make the night a great success, especially the transition year students, the 7th Tipperary Scout Group, Care Fire Brigade, Clomel Civil Defence and the staff of the Care House Hotel. Very good indeed. Um, the evening's getting longer, Margaret, and uh, some some uh, cautionary stuff, I suppose, from the Guardian. Yeah. That's right, and I suppose this is... Uh, we can all see that the evenings are stretching a little bit. It's It's not fully dark now at five o'clock and we've noticed an increase in walkers at various locations around um, the Tipperary County and no different there in care as people head back to the hills in the area. They want to use this opportunity to remind walkers of the dangers 
a recent walker got into difficulty on the hills and needed help from SEMRA in care and uh, thanks to them for their continued amazing work it resulted in a safe rescue but if you are going walking even for uh, even for a short stroll please take some precautions let somebody know where you're going what time you're expected to return dress for the weather and it can change so quickly in in the hills and the mountains so bring rain gear and warm clothes have a fully charged mobile phone and stay on paths and routes that you know or that are designated and if you get into any difficulty seek help as soon as possible and don't struggle on of course we also hear about parking in these areas as well just to make sure that there's nothing uh, visible in the cars margaret because that that has been an issue over the months hasn't absolutely. it absolutely yeah. and i suppose if you're going walking up a hill or a mountain you're going to be away from your car and your valuables don't bring your valuables, I right. suppose, is the message. And certainly not to have them in plain sight because you are leaving your... Your your car is very vulnerable there mm. for those couple of hours on its own. For sure. Um, to the Thurless district uh, then and uh, arrests again. That's right. They had 10 different public order uh, matters in the last two weeks. They all occurred, mainly actually occurred in the town. Mm. People are reminded of the consequences of being so drunk in public. Uh, they're reminded to socialise in a way that's safe for themselves and others. Unfortunately, it's still the case that if you're out and about and you're so drunk and abusive in public, there's nothing else we can do other than to arrest people who are a danger to themselves or others. Right, so you had a couple of arrests in the last uh, two weeks. Two drunk driving arrests there in the last two weeks in the Thurless district. Test results are awaited in both these cases. We'd expect those matters to proceed to court. Right. Tell me about the car. It was stolen in Holy Cross, was it? That's right. On Sunday the 22nd of January, a car was stolen in the Holy Cross area between 2 and 3 p.m. that day. It's kind of something you don't hear too much about Mm. anymore with cars. Uh, very much more sophisticated than they once had been. The car was later recovered in Blanchestown area of Dublin and two young people were arrested. One of those persons is going before the courts on that matter. Good, good. Um, killing all then, criminal damage. That's right. The Guardian Killing All are investigating criminal damage to the window and the glass of a door in a house in Gurtnahu area last Monday night before midnight, appealing for anyone for who has information on that to contact them. Right. And again, some urging to firearms owners around the county, Margaret. Yes, and I suppose, look, this message has to go out very loud and clear. In, in certainly in rural counties, firearms, there we'd have a lot more firearms than they would in city, mm. city areas. And people have all their firearms for good and valid reasons. But the message has to be clear that they have to be licensed. They have to be up to date. That's the owner's responsibility. And as soon as they receive those renewal documents, don't ignore them and put, to, put them to one side. Just ask yourself if it's something that you can deal with sooner rather than later because unlicensed firearms are being seized right across the division. Right, and the Guardian have the powers to do that. Absolutely. Right, you have some more advice for us to finish with. That's right, so uh, Detective Inspector James Tierney, who we often talk about, he's Mm -hmm. responsible for the investigation of serious crime right across Tipperary. Uh, He would like just to leave on on a message of caution and crime prevention. The rural theft is an issue. The rise in fuel tanks being targeted and in particular sheds and I 
think for the last couple of weeks and months we've we've highlighted a lot of those yeah. areas where sheds have been broken into so we're asking people to consider lighting locking up and certainly reporting any suspicious activity the economic crime and the fraud is still massive please never click on any links the banks will never ask you to do that if you're expecting deliveries following purchases online um there you know the charges any of these emails relating to charges do not click on that um don't click on any of those sites be careful regarding payments to less secure sites mm. online sites where it the you know, it's between one private individual to another. Just be super careful about that. That's really about buyer beware there. And I suppose on a final note that if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Well, that's uh, for certain. Uh, Margaret, it's always good to talk to you. And thanks for your time this morning, Thank Margaret. you, Frank. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is Margaret Kelly there. Margaret, of course, is sergeant in charge of Clonmel. Garda Station. As they keep telling us, by the way, you know, if you ever have a query or if you think you can help out the Garda, they're, they're always delighted to hear from you. It's never a load for them to hear from you. So so either drop in or, or make that phone call. It's uh, 26 past 11 right now. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And uh, you're welcome back. Sean lost his glasses outside of uh, Rattigan's Dentists in uh, Ross Grey uh, about half past uh, three on Monday last so if anybody found them, Sean will be delighted to have his glasses back. So if you want to let us know about that, 1800-938-007. Now this month, on our Hidden History slot, Connor marks the uh, young life of the female patron saint of Ireland on this her national day. Now, well, lots known about the life of St. Bridget this month. Connor wants to introduce us to the younger person, the child and the teenager who irritated her father and went on to become one of Ireland's greatest Christian evangelists. In the realm of sainthood, Ireland is most associated with two figures in particular, among several others, St. Patrick and St. Bridget. The key difference between both is that Patrick came as a slave from Britain, while Bridget was born into a form of slavery in Ireland sometime around 450 AD. So little is known for sure about her life because, unlike Patrick, Bridget left no historical record of her work. The storyteller Eddie Lenehan reminds us that while we celebrate the life of one of our patron saints with cards and badges and parades and regalia of all sorts, it's very difficult to get your hands on a St. Bridget's Day card. Much of what we know about Bridget comes from biographies of other saints that were written long after her lifetime. The first of these came around 650 AD. On this 1st of February, 
we go in search of the child that would become the woman described by scholars at the university of notre dame as one of the greatest leaders and evangelists ireland has ever known one of the first things i ask you to remember as we proceed in this episode is that many of the facts of her life were and still are disputed some believe she didn't exist at all as i said bridget was born around 450 a.d in dundalk to a pagan chieftain and a christian mother it's largely agreed that her specific birthplace was fogart two miles from dundalk her father is believed to have been dovetok a pagan petty king or chieftain her mother was a christian bondswoman named broshock who was part of his household now it seemed broshock may have been some type of slave because before bridget's birth dovetok was forced to sell the woman to a distant buyer a druid in the kingdom of connacht however the custom dictated that the offspring was reserved for the original owner so when bridget reached workable age she was returned to his household and assumed the role once held there by her mother grinding corn washing the feet of guests tending the sheep on the mountains or herding the farm animals it's believed she was welcomed with open arms by dovetok her father in the absence of hard facts christian tradition developed certain legends around the early life of bridget broshock had no rights over her own child she had no appeal process no defender she did not even own her own child but over the hut where she slept it was alleged that and i quote a flame and a fiery pillar were seen they thronged around her bed the spectres of servitude injustice and envy three clerics in white shining vestments such as might attend for the christening of a royal baby came to banish them and baptize the baby bridget there were angels but there was no drapery in the baby's cradle but rather a curtain of flame hanging softly overhead when the child was sleeping in the stable where her mother worked the cow dung appeared to catch fire but when the servants ran over they found no heat in the blaze just light one of the advantages of her parenthood was that she possessed a strong disregard for the accident of her birth that of an unequal union later in life bridget conversed easily with kings but she treated slave girls as her sisters whose freedom she sought with enthusiasm once she was conveyed back to leinster and the household of her father the slave girl bridget submitted to her daily routine but was capable of what could be described as unsettling gestures when a beggar asked for alms the young girl was very likely to hand him over one of the sheep from her flock one time five guests arrived and she was given five pieces of bacon to cook for them a hungry dog was roaming around her vicinity and like most dogs when the f there's food involved he licked her hand and whined the young girl could not resist and gave him a piece of the bacon onlookers in the household complained her but as trouble was breaking out five pieces of bacon were somehow found in the pot the stories of bridget's youth all center around the theme of her bounty and the intervention of supernatural assistance to fend off drastic punishment one character in her early life however seemed immune to bridget's charity and apparent minor miracles and that was dovetok's wife she demonstrated complete resentment towards the girl and in the end in the interest of peace her father attempted to sell bridget as he once did her mother and this led to the most dramatic and significant episode in her young life her life changed when 
One morning her father summoned her from her toil and placed her in her chariot. As they drove away, the joyful Bridget spoke in language that felt as if it was straight from gospel narratives. Then she learned what was happening, and her joy quickly evaporated. The grouchy old man is alleged to have told her, It is not to honour you I am taking you, I am taking you to sell you. It will be the king's corn now that you'll have to grind. Her new home was to be with the king of Leinster. When the carriage arrived at his fortress, her father went in to negotiate the deal for her service. When she was waiting in the chariot, her father left his sword on the seat beside her, because he wasn't allowed to take it into the king's fortress. A leper suddenly appeared by the side of the vehicle looking for charity. It was unlikely that Bridget had ever set eyes on such a person, with his mournful eyes, ravaged face and destroyed body. The story goes that her heart sank, because at that moment she had nothing to offer by way of charity. As her eyes searched inside the carriage, she caught sight of the jewels in the hilt of her father's sword and the seat. Incredibly, she took the weapon and handed it to the man at the side of the carriage. And this is a powerful example of the early compassion of the future saint. With her father inside the fortress negotiating her sale to the King of Leinster, Bridget was suddenly filled with dread. This was a somewhat spectacular gift of benevolence, but perhaps a bit irresponsible on her part. The king wanted to know why her father was so keen to sell his daughter, and Dovetok explained he could not keep her because she was too giving to the poor. His possessions were not safe, and more importantly, his wife could not cope with any of this. The king asked to see her, and so Dovetok went to retrieve her from the carriage. Immediately he noticed that his sword was gone, and this, by the way, was his prized sword. The earliest account of Bridget's life suggests that her father was mightily enraged, Bridget insisted, however, that she had given the weapon to God. In front of the king, who was a Christian, Bridget received a more sympathetic hearing. Despite his reliance on his sword for the dispensing of justice, he seems to have sensed that in the incident outside the fortress, a mere slave girl had lifted up the sword of the spirit against the sword of might, had spoken a challenge, had joined issue in some contest of magnitude and importance. Dovetok's day ended badly when he heard the king of Leinster say to him, Leave her alone, for her merit before God is greater than ours. And so Bridget was taken home. Whatever the reasons, the reality in that episode with the sword led to Bridget's release from her father's bondage. This may have been on the recommendation of the king of Leinster, or it may be because Dovetok wanted to bring about domestic harmony. Not only was she now free from slavery, but she felt entitled to disregard her father's wishes, especially when they came into conflict with her own Christian inclinations. The character of the woman was now emerging in this young girl. Having secured her freedom, her first mission was to provide comfort to her ailing mother, whose body was failing due to the excessive labour of her enslavement. The journey to her mother was taken against the wishes of her father, needless to say, but it is also worth noting that it involved travelling the width of the island of Ireland. Her mother was in charge of a mountain dairy where twelve cows were milked on a daily basis. Just as with her father's compound, the poor were also attracted to her mother's dairy in the hope of receiving charity. Bridget's generosity again got her into trouble, and when supplies of milk began to run low, her mother's master summoned the herdsmen for an explanation. 
such was the power of bridget's personality that the man apparently refused to speak ill of her in her absence apparently and shockingly bridget submitted herself once more to bondage for the sake of her mother the master and mistress visited the dairy to investigate for themselves there they found bridget singing happily at her work surrounded by bowls of milk and firkins of butter it seems she was a particularly efficient dairymaid she began working for this master in the role of bondwoman and now began washing her visitors feet and serving their meals one particular party of visitors brought with them an empty hamper eighteen hands high in which to take away their store of butter but what they saw in front of them didn't appear as if it would fill even half the hamper Bridget began, with great composure, to fill her supply into the hamper. She filled and filled and filled with yellow butter. But where it came from, nobody could see. Believing that they were in the presence of the supernatural, and, remember too, the circumstances of her birth and childhood, the kindly druid, possibly her new master, conferred on Bridget the cows and all the produce of the mountain dairy. Bridget pleaded for something else, however. She begged for her mother's freedom, due to her age, her ill health, her inability to continue working. This request was granted, and it seems that with the help of the druid master, who afterwards became a Christian, Bridget was able to see her mother installed in permanent security and peace. It was at this point that she returned to her father, and her mother makes no further appearances in the records of Bridget's life after this time. While we don't know exactly what age Bridget was at this time, it was a period where she had taken increasing control of her life. With her mother's future secured, and now back in her father's household, she was well equipped to face another parental challenge. Dovetok was determined to exercise some influence over his daughter's life and decided to try and arrange her marriage. Not much is known about the chosen husband apart from the fact that he was a poet. Now, this might seem like a humble choice for the daughter of a chieftain, but there is something we should know about 5th century poets. In simple terms, the poet was well-heeled and well-regarded. He was well-paid, well-dressed, well-fed and well-watered. He had a swagger, property and sometimes even servants. He had the seat of honour at table and was always offered the best cut from the joint. Kings and noblemen grovelled in his presence and those who crossed his path always experienced his wrath. And by the way, why was this the case? Why did the wealthy and influential fawn all over the poet? The truth was that his pen was seen as far more dangerous than any invading army and the nobility were terrified of becoming the subject of a satirical work by a poet. As a result... The poet got his way quite a lot of the time and, incidentally, he was generally an egotistical, arrogant and spoiled individual. It should be noted, however, that not every poet reached these giddy heights in 5th century Ireland. He had to pass through a sort of course that lasted 12 years and, if he emerged successfully, he was considered to be a man of great knowledge. Bridget's father, therefore, in selecting a poet as his son-in-law, was demonstrating himself to be a shrewd operator, as this may give him certain levels of protection. There was only one problem, however. Bridget was having none of it. It wasn't personal to the selected suitor. She rejected the idea of marriage full stop. Despite the taunting of her stepbrothers, Bridget opted to become what the ancient Irish called a Virgin of Christ. The first nuns of 5th century Ireland continued to live in their own homes, after they had consecrated their lives to God. 
They spent their days as best they could between service to the mission, corporal works of mercy and prayer. Now their service to mission usually took the form of things like needlework. They crafted vestments and altar cloths and tapestries to adorn newly built churches. The security of their vocation depended very much on their family circumstances. They suffered in their isolation from a lack of support from community life and they were often persecuted by their families. From the moment she secured her mother's liberty and overcame her father's control, Bridget began the organisation of women into a monastic convent. When she was professed as a nun, she had seven others with her, and these eight nuns never seemed to be separated. How they were maintained in their work, whether by the church or by almsgiving, is not clear. Despite entering the convent, Bridget did not live an enclosed life, and instead became one of the most unrelenting travellers in the country. Dressed all in white, in a homespun habit, a veil and a cloak, with her hair uncut, the future St. Bridget became one of the most fascinating studies in 5th century Irish monasticism. That is the great Dr. Connor Reedy there, our historian, and yet another episode of Tipperary's Hidden Histories. We're up to episode 56, can you believe, at this point? Amazing. Uh, 1800 938 007. Now, um, the previous winners of our month's membership of the Talbot Leisure at the Talbot Hotel. Uh, let me see. Uh, Derek English uh, was on Tuesday, I think it is. God, this is very complicated here. Well, let's see. Uh, because I didn't read out the Monday winner uh, either. Is that... Uh, yeah, OK. I'll check with uh, Emma on that. But I know that yesterday's one was Derek English anyway. And uh, Philomena, is that Monday? OK, so Philomena Stapleton... Uh, was our winner on Monday of our month's membership there. And uh, we will announce today's winner in just a little while. All right, we'll take a break and then we have gardening. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. The very first gardening slot of the brand new year. Glad to be joined as usual by Alton Nesbitt of Centenary Home and Garden. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, Fran. And a happy new year to you and all of that. Um, uh, The first day of spring, do you you see this as the first day of spring, by the way, Alton? Absolutely. I mean, it is just a phenomenal day today and really uh, the evenings are getting a bit of a stretch in the evenings and brighter in the mornings as well. So it's a fantastic time of year. Uh, Now, what I love um, at this time is when the snowdrops start to come or all the spring bulbs Mm. and they give great display uh, at this time of the year and it gives everybody a bit of a lift really. I mean, it's fantastic to see these really tough little plants coming into flower uh, at this time of year, and, and again, giving uh, a great display. You can get through these uh, spring bulbs, different colours and things like that. Things like the lovely the white snowdrops, the crocuses, uh, a thing called blue muscaria, the grape hyacinth is particularly nice. But if you want things that have lovely scent as well, are the lovely hyacinths, 
And the hyacinths have, have a magnificent perfume from them. But you can also have those, let's say, as I decided, the doorway, um, that will give your guests a, a great scent um, uh, as they arrive. But what's lovely as well is these lovely paper wipes. These are type of, of nar- narcissi. Um, it's lovely, like a, a double uh, white, a creamy white uh, flower mm. on it. Um, and uh, again, that has a lovely perfume from it as well. But a great selection of, of, of spring bulbs coming up, showing their little heads uh, at this time of year. Um, and what's lovely combination with those as well would be the, the bedding plants, these kind of um, uh, spring, kind of winter spring uh, bedding plants. Things like the lovely bellus. This is a lovely type of daisy type plant that you can get. And getting brighter colours in the pink, the whites, and, 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 and um, uh, red as well. Or a thing called forget-me-not, which is a lovely blue, where you can get it in white as well. And um, again, they're self-deed quite freely as well. So they're an easy thing to grow. Um, violas and pansies, and of course the wallflowers. Wallflowers are fantastic for scent as well and colour. And again, you can get them kind of in various varying in height as well. Some are much taller than others, but really, or there's even a perennial type wallflower that you get as a lovely purple type flower. But that's again quite scented as well. Um, uh, again, uh, heathers, which are great colour at the moment, um, and I think the heathers are fantastic to have in your garden because they attract an awful lot of the bumblebees and, and, and even the honeybees as well. So again, use varieties that are quite hardy and that are easy to grow. Uh, things like the Eric Carnies. Um, they're kind of lime tolerant. So they'll um, grow in, in, in type of limey soil. Um, so you don't have to be fussy about um, adding uh, uh, peaches to the ground or anything like that. So the Ericacarnia, Springwood White or Springwood Pink are particularly good as well. Very good. Um, if, if people's gardens are anything like mine, a little bit chaotic at the moment, I suppose we should be preparing for to enjoy the garden yeah. over the next few months, Alton. Yeah, exactly. Um, really, because uh, of the winter, the doldrums of winter, um, a lot of things tend to get a little bit untidy looking or things are starting to get overgrow a little bit. So a bit of pruning now is a good, good idea. It's to uh, trim back any, any uh, trees or shrubs just to keep them in check. Um, anything that's coming into flower, I would tend to leave those to flower first of all. Things like the lovely camellias. Mm. And I love the camellias or even the magnolias as well. They'll all be starting to come into flower. Uh, so don't, don't prune them. Prune, the, the rule of thumb really is prune straight after flowering. And that will just per, per, um, give you a great display for next year as well. So things like them, um, there's something called uh, Chorus Contorta, which is the twisted hazel. That's in, in lovely flower at the moment. There's lovely tassel type flowers that come out of it, golden flowers, um, or even the Viburnum Tinus Eva Price. That's a mass, it's a lovely evergreen shrub, but a lovely mass of flowers at the moment as well. And that's quite a hard thing to grow. And again, it's a very good as a hedge or even as a screen um, in, in, in large borders. Um, I always like um, the azaleas and rhododendrons, or even a thing called Pierre's Forest Flame. Now, the Pierre's Forest Flame is quite an ideal shrub to have in a large container. Um, it's a lovely evergreen, but the new leaves that turn bright red and so, again, they're starting to, to sprout up now with the new foliage. And that's it's almost like them as if there was mm. flames coming out of it. But that also has lovely white lily of the valley type flowers, which give a great display at this time of the year as well. Very good. You made reference there to pruning and a couple of uh, questions in on that. Is it too late to prune apple trees? And somebody wondering, is it too late to cut back shrubs? No, I would do um, now fruit trees now. Uh, any any uh, tree, fruit trees that have any tanker in it, or rot, or even die back on the trees. Prune that all out of the trees. Always use an arbor paint, a heel and seal paint 
onto any of the wounds that you do cut back on. And that will just protect it from any canker getting further back into the tree and keep it nice and keen. It's a good idea as well. Because the trees are, are dormant now, it's a good idea is to spray them with a winter wash. This gets rid of any lichen or algae or moss that's on the tree. So it keeps it looking keen. Then you, you, you get plenty of flowers and, and uh, a better better display of um, mm really your fruit and pollination later on, you know. You're reading my mind because another question in from a listener was about washing the tree trunks that have moss on them. Yeah. Now, really, there's this product called uh, Winter Tree Wash, which is quite good. Um, And you spray this onto the whole of the tree, really. And that gets rid of any um, lichen or algae or moss on the tree. Because that tends to retard the growth of the tree once it's on it. So by giving it the spray of the winter wash, that, that cleans, it, cleans that all away and gets rid of any, any bugs or, or larvae that may be harboring in the tree as well. So it, it keeps it nice and clean. With, with pruning, it's very important to, to prune now um, and always cut back to um, where there's an axle um, where you, you promote more side-to-side shoots growing. And always, with any of the long vegetative shoots, it's a good idea it's just to tie them back, just bend them back. So that's what forces produce these lovely fruit spurs um, on, on the tree. And then, therefore, you get more flowers and, and better pollination than that way. The listener is wondering about a timeline as well of getting the ground ready to sow wildflowers, Alton, and what wildflowers are best for a showing this year. That's Carmel, who's in Thurles. Yeah, I love wildflowers. I love wildflower mm. mixes as well. Yeah. There's quite a good variety of them out there. We do have Flora Nova um, types, types of wildflower mixes. These are, 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 you can get them kind of perennial or annual type flower mixes uh, with them, or a meadow mix, um, or even an alpine mix as well, which is quite low going. Now, with the alpine mix, they they're, are normally so then like a kind of rockery or it's very stony ground, or even waste wasteland um, is so the, the rockery perennials. They're they're particularly good. They're, they're things like the arbutus and arabus, uh, Alison flaxatile, or even thing called uh, a Maria sea trip, which is often these lovely. Uh, cotton little buds that you often see um, around the coast of Ireland. Lovely, lovely pink flowers out of them. Uh, and they're particularly easy to grow. Um, and they're perennials. So once you sow them, they'll keep coming every year. But I will start uh, preparing the ground now by uh, just cutting off the... Uh, do a double dig um, on the area where you're going to sow them um, and just rake over lightly. And then um, uh, sow the seeds um, now at the moment. Um, and again, go for the either... If you want a tall mix, Go for the meadow mix, which is quite good. You'll have the lovely tall poppies, um, a thing called uh, cornflower, and uh, the, the lovely uh, mechanopsis. So, so there's several um, different colours that you can get in that, or even uh, the, the nasturtiums as well. They're quite good because they're, they're, they spread along uh, the ground for the lovely hot orange mm. and yellow flowers from them. Um, again, so, so you can start sowing those now. Uh, prepare the ground, first of all, though, first. Get rid of any, any um, rough grass there, rake it over lightly and then sow the seed onto it and then rake over again lightly so that the birds don't eat half of them. Right, uh, absolutely. Uh, a listener on to say I have strawberry plants in a raised bed and I'm wondering will they bring me fruit? Yeah, with strawberry plants, uh, they're ideal in a raised bed so that the, the, the um, fruits can hang over the side yeah. of the raised bed. So that keeps the fruit looking keen. Now it's important with the strawberry plants to get rid of any, any of the lower leaves these are the brown leaves that you see at the base of the strawberry plants. Do tidy up on them. So get rid of any of the old leaves and, and um, any brown leaves at the base of the plant. So that keeps it loving keen. So you don't get any detritus or mildew 
on the strawberries. Um, another thing then to do as well is to try and get rid of, remove any uh, runners that are on the strawberries. These are the little baby plants that are coming out of the, the main plant. So to try and kind of cut them off and then you can transplant them back into the row as well so you have more plants that way. Um, with strawberries, it's, it's the, the main thing is try and have as much air and light around them uh, as much as possible. And as soon as they start coming into flower, um, put the straw or, or, or um, uh, weed control fabric just just around the basis. So that keeps the, the fruit lovely and clean and no, and no um, uh, atritis and mildew will, will, will go on the fruit. Right. Just briefly, a final one, if you would, Alton. I've noticed some of my tulips uh, each year are shorter uh, this year, I presume that should be. Uh, is there any way to fix this? Uh, with tulips, uh, what happens with them, uh, after about five years, they tend to get um, uh, exhausted. The, the, the energy goes, up, goes out of them. So really every five years, I would tend to um, re-sow again so that you get a, a great great display. But by what, what, what's a good idea as well is to feed what your tulips now with a thing called sulfate of potash, just at the base of them, just a dusting of that at the base of, of each clump of, of, of tulips that you have. This will encourage the bulbs to bulk up quite well for next year so that you'll get a great display of, of flowers. It prolongs the flowering of them, really, for years to come. But um, what happens sometimes is if they haven't been fed regularly, uh, they tend to get weaker and weaker um, after about five years. And then really it's much better just to buy a fresh um, uh, packet of bulbs, really. And that that will will prolong the flowering. Very interesting indeed. It's great to have you back, Alton. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, Gina. Alton Nisbeth there of Centenary Home and Garden with the uh, first gardening slot of the new year. Our month's membership of the Talbot Leisure Centre going to Thomas Ryan in Clonmel. Well done to you, Thomas. And uh, that's about it for me. Emma produced Ali, looks after our content. Stephen is on the way and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie